Eleven O'Clock Comics, Episode Seventy Eight. That's a great year for movies and comics, too. So. Yeah, yeah. So. What, what what movies come in? So, so been, uh, uh, Close so. Encounters. Okay. Yeah. So it's po- po- Star Wars. What? Would you like to know the top five films of 1978? Oh, jeez. What was that rule that we don't open browsers while we're recording? Oh, <laughs> the browser open. I got to memorize, bitch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What were they? Grease was number one. A good movie. Nice. Super Superman number two. Uh, a, a good movie. Animal House. Great movie. Yeah. Every Which Way But Loose. Nice. Monkey movie. <laughs> and Jaws 2. Ooh. Mm. Even the son of Downer. You know, I like Jaws 2. Jaws 3D, not so much. Oh, come on. That is great. I was just learning how to talk. Mama's teeth. They still, still <laughs> don't <laughs> Dollar bill in one hand, teeth in the other. I, I would start <laughs> in mm-hmm. And I'm feeling old. I think we should call Jason Richie Rich. We never even thought of that. Uh, that would be perfect. Hold it a rich boy. Uh-huh. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, and I am an ecstatic. Woohoo, Vince B. The magic is back this week at what? the comic shops. I'll tell you about it's it later. Enthusiastic. Oh. Uh, I'm Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. Oh, and I am the incomparable Basil Cronus. No, you're not. You're Mr. Steppin' On Man. No, you're Jason Wood <laughs> in the house. <laughs> Jason Wood floating in the bottle. Vince has it. anger uh, directed my way for some reason tonight. No, I have no anger. Tonight? I, just love, I love you. Tonight? How, could no, you how could you say that? Her. Venom's coming quick tonight. I don't know. He's Red I'm, Guinea. I'm trying well, to be I, I, a little I, witty. Can exactly. we jump right in be, before our illustrious sponsor? Can we go ahead and uh, and dovetail into the drink roll call because it's uh, um, tied in to uh, to Woods' alter ego persona this week. Mine Do is it. anyway. Ooh. All right, drink roll call. I'll go first. I am uh, I am <laughs> drinking what I have uh, dubbed a uh, a nickelhead martini. Nice. Three, three parts uh, gin, one part vodka, and a splash of vermouth, and uh, which I, which I actually think is uh, a Vesper martini. Anyone, any James Bond fans out there? Yes, no. I, I think I, I do. I do believe that is a Vesper martini, but you'll you you'll it. hear a little bit later on why it's a Nickelhead martini. Oh boy! Hey, what? I'm drinking Pepe Mac. Pepe Mac. Pepe Mac. Pepe Mac. <laughs> It's so stupid. Hoorah. <laughs> All right, David. Uh, tonight's one, uh, Foxhorn Vineyards, American Merlot. Okay. All right. With tea at the end. And Merlot, also known as the uh, the bar that everybody hangs out at uh, in True Blood. Um, I am drinking uh, Diet Dr. Pepper with some Stoli in it. Hey. There you go. Nice. Respect. 
Yes. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com. Spectacular discounts on your comics and collectibles. 35, 45, 55, up to 75% off on certain titles. You can't go wrong. Do not pay retail. There is an alternative, and it starts, no, it has four letters. DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. Get them cheap. Get them fast. Get them. Oh, get that em. last part was gold. That get them cheap. Get them fast. Get them. Get them. Get them. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, why why am I enthusiastic? You may ask. I, you had a May. good BM before the show. Who went to the comic shop today? You did. My hands not yeah, up. Of course I did. Chris, did you make it to the shop I got, today? I, I got all my books this week. Okay. Did you happen to see a certain Probably title? Probably not. By the name <laughs> Uncle Scrooge on the table? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Because it is a, a momentous occasion. Thankfully. See, now I've been, I haven't been shitting on Boom, but I haven't been exactly kind to them since their inception. But now I got a reason. Because I managed to pick up the Mickey and Friends that I missed a couple weeks ago because Diamond, the wonderful entity that they are, just neglected to ship the books to the local comic shop. And today, wow. and he had to go to directly to Boom to get them. Magic Day, wow. Comic, uh, Comics on the Green, had an order from the publisher to get the books, which means the distributor is not doing their job. Knock, knock. So, but anyway, so, so I did manage to pick up Mickey and Friends 296, and today, Uncle Scrooge 384, and they're fantastic. You should be able to pick up uh, Uncle Scrooge. Who, who's Uncle Scrooge published by? Boom. Boom. Exclamation point. So is Mickey oh, and it's, Friends. Oh, it's not Jumpstone anymore? No, they are so oh out of business. God. Where? Oh, uh-huh. We've only been talking about this for what? Like, you know what must happen? No, to Chris? I, did, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they lost. Uh, most when he was out. Most guys have have gaydar. Chris has the funny animal alarm. Whenever someone talks about funny animal comics, ding 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 ding, ding it goes off. Chris just <laughs> segs away. He goes. Yeah, that's these funny animals. I'll go into it later. I'll let you guys talk because I'm going to gush, and they are spectacular. They're so good. They're so good. Go. That's great. Yes. <laughs> Go. I think it's funny. I, I you, you did kind of shit on them when, when the news was first announced, by the way. I did because, and I'll tell you why, the cover of Mickey Mouse and Friends mm-hmm. is so far removed from what we have come to expect in the States from the Disney characters. It's very animated-like. It's very slick. The coloring is full process, color, continuous tone. It looks like an animation cell. That's not what I want out of my Disney books. If I want that, I'll put the movies in. But the guts are far different from the cover, thankfully. And they're done by Italians. Comics oh, by Italians. God. No. Oh, thank God. You can't get any better than that. By American. Kuma, no. You just listen and you tell me by the time I'm done talking, if you don't Tyler want to read this book. would be yelling at you right now. He's like, these are American comics. Why can't we Oh, no. American so people? is Uncle Scrooge walking around the table with a baseball bat? No. He's got a dick ah, hanging man. out, though. Nice. <laughs> Nice. No. So you guys go, and then I'll come back. I'll come back to the Disney. Well, (laughs) how about we just? You guys just want to talk about what we've been geeking out about all week, and what we what we previewed last week. Um, Are you going to talk to it? Are you talking Tencent Plague? Are you talking Godland? I'm talking Godland. Yes. Let's do it. Let's just do it. (laughs) Hey guys, this is Dave Faust 
calling from South Korea. Just wanted to call and make a great recommendation. It's a book I just read called The Three Paradoxes by Paul Hornsheimer. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a nice autobiographical book about one guy spending the evening with his dad and thinking about his childhood and stuff. It's it's a really good book. Also, I can't recommend enough Charles Burns' El Borba collection. Like I said on the forum, if you're not reading it, then God hates you, and I do as well. Anyway, take care, guys. Have fun. Bye. I think we should give Jason the honor because he's the no, most. Yeah, no. you're the most recent convert. No, we should let David do it because it was his idea to talk about it. <laughs> no, this only be a two-hour show, my about. friend. No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 David brought it up last week, and that's what I, I, I said. I oh, that I was going too. to. to no. Yeah, let's all do it. Did everybody like it? First of all, oh my God, how could you not like Godland? I did like it. See, I did. Yeah, Jason. Yes, I, I did enjoy it. Yes. I'm it's, pissed, but I it's, like it. it's a very oh because the uh, celestial edition leaves you on a cliffhanger a little bit. See, yeah, a little something. I, something. I do yeah, know well, my I, brother. That was probably the, the the most frustrating part of it. But no, it's, it's it's all right. I mean, you know, David, you I mean, you read a lot of Marvel comics, and they haven't finished mm-hmm. a story in five years. So oh, you they used to it. They yeah. also they yeah, also but, don't cost thirty five bucks, and they're also pretty regular with the next chapter of those. Books, I'm right? just I'm just I oh, I know, and then when we give okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's one of those that I've. I bought the Celestial Edition, God, probably a year, year and a half ago anyway, and I've started reading it probably four or five times, and, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, I, I'll I'll read that in one sitting at some point. And so I finally um, sat down and was a little disappointed in myself because I feel like I've, I've lost out on, like, a year of loving this book now. And, uh, yeah, it just made for a, a thoroughly enjoying Saturday afternoon, just uh, you know, lay it on the couch. And one of the first times, it, it's very rare that I laugh out loud at a book and like big old belly laughs and and this this book besides being absolutely beautiful and just action-packed fun is filled with big old belly laughs yep. and i loved it loved it loved it there are a lot of comics out there but i don't think there are any quite like godland because it's it's, it's really this weird kind of multifaceted gem of a comic because it's uh obviously all you have to do is give it a cursory glance and you can tell immediately that it's a love letter to jack kirby mm-hmm. oh yeah but it's really subversive in a lot of ways because it's a very personal statement by kelly or god damn it i always do that <laughs> everybody, <laughs> by, everybody does though I'm, I'm but sorry. yeah i mean i think it continues to show how versatile joe casey is yeah, and you you can tell the man's philosophy is really close Don't to my. Don't tell us, you guys. It's on the surface you can read it and enjoy it as a superhero romp, but it's got far-reaching implications in that it's preaching the gospel of the uh, the big bear hug to humanity that we are all part of a, a universal collective of organisms, and you may not like the fact, but we all need each other. 
And we're Yeboga. all basically, that's right, we're all <laughs> basically one. So it starts off with Commander Adam Archer. Very significant that the dude's name is Adam. He is leading the first manned expedition to Mars. Cool beans, right? Unfortunately, uh, something goes awry and the spacecraft crashes on the surface. The crew members that don't die in the crash slowly fade away from, what was it, tainted oxygen or they're poisoned by gas or, or something. But long story short, he's the only man left alive out of the expedition. And he's uh, at the end of his rope. His oxygen's running out. He's uh, frantically searching for something, even though his, his minutes are numbered. And he slides down an embankment into this hidden cavern type thing where he finds a huge Kirby-esque machine that just kind of almost beckons to him. And approaching the machine, he triggers something. And there begins his adventure. He is greeted by the Cosmic Fetus Collective, <laughs> who, who, who grant him powers Three far wishes. beyond those of mortal men. And they teach him how to use these powers. So it's almost like 2001, in a sense, where he finds a device because humanity as an organism was advanced enough to get to Mars and find this device. So we wouldn't have found it if we weren't there. So they're not reaching out to us. They're making us come and get it. Mm-hmm. So humanity has reached the point where they are evolved enough, at least in a number of years, where they are welcomed into this universal collective. But we have to earn it, and that's where Godland starts. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. That uh, you know, it's they've been there for forever, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was you know the. They're there for when we would be able to reach them, and then you know it would start this next evolutionary you know step in in mankind. But what I thought was cool throughout the entire book is that you know Adam Archer, which that's his name. He's not like you know the Celestial, or or he doesn't <laughs> you know he doesn't have a superhero name. It's just Commander Archer. He's really kind of a secondary character. I don't know if he's the main character in the book. Mm, I yeah, I, no, no, I, I, I kind of agree with Chris. I think he's the shorthand for humanity because as he's as his consciousness is expanding, he's he's walking in the footsteps for all of us. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think that you could you could make some arguments for for some other characters as as being protagonists. You know, I think it is him, but I was impressed and and enjoyed the fact that it wasn't all about him it's about right. his family it's um and what i love probably more than anything else it's a lot of it's about the secondary villains <laughs> yeah. that yeah it those are those are my favorite parts of the books oh i agree the, uh, uh the the basil cronus and and nickelhead relationship just had me fucking howling and was so so entertaining, but yeah, I love I love how the uh, I love how the villains get fleshed out as characters in this book. Yeah, not only is the book a love letter to Kirby, it's also a big bear hug to Terrence McKenna too. Who's Terrence McKenna? Terrence McKenna is the psychedelic godfather of consciousness expansion. You've never heard of Terrence McKenna? No. The god in this story is called Iboga. Mm-hmm. There is a plant, a shrub actually in Africa called Iboga that the active alkaloid portion of it is called Ibogaine. It's a consciousness expanding 
compound that has been used by shamans and religious groups. Uh, I, I should talk like Terrence McKenna because he, if you've ever heard the man speak, he was like the psychedelic Mr. Rogers. He carefully <laughs> nice. and, and very methodically enunciated every syllable of his words. And he, the guy was a hell of a speaker. But he was all about the, the consciousness expansion where he said that humanity, our evolution was jump-started by psilocybin mushrooms. Because early man, as we wandered around the globe, because we were hunter-gatherers, they came upon dung, shit, where, where psilocybin mushrooms had grown, and they consumed the mushrooms, and it not only increased their visual acuity, made them better hunters, and all their senses kind of melded into one of sorts, it also is the basis for our language where communication was jump-started because of mind-expanding drugs, compounds. I don't want to call them drugs because drugs, the word drugs gives a bad connotation to these things. They're naturally occurring compounds in nature. These aren't synthesized in some backroom lab. These have been put here, and that's what Terrence McKenna was all about, that these substances are a way, a gateway to evolution, uh, higher forms of, of evolution, of religion, of consciousness, Blah, blah, blah. And that's what Godland's about. McKenna is alive on every one of these pages. Yeah, and Basil is definitely looking for, uh, looking for the ultimate high. Well, Basil's like the demented <laughs> Terrence McKenna. Yeah, and the thing that really got me was, and I agree with you 100%, the conversations between Nickelhead and Basil Kronos, especially the part once Kronos loses his head and he, and he has him in that, that uh, see-through igloo. Yeah, and, and Nickelhead's talking to him and he's going over and Kronos says, Don't tap on the glass! <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> That was fantastic. And when it, yeah, you're right. I laughed out loud. But for a 12-issue collection, there are a boatload it's of a characters. Of There's oh, a and it's lot a lot of, of story, man. A lot of story for 12 issues. Yeah, well, we have Commander Adam Archer, who we said, the, the Cosmic Fetus Collective. We have Adam Archer's three sisters, Neela, Angie, mm-hmm. and Stella. You have... Adam Archer's Obi-Wan Kenobi figure that guides him in the proper use of his powers and the proper way to think, uh, Maxim, the alien Maxim. There's Discordia and her father, the Tormentor. Basil Kronos, the uh, dismembered skull in a floating in some kind of solution. <laughs> awesome character design. Yep. Awesome oh, character design. Oh, my design. God, you're right. That would make the perfect ashing figure. Yeah. Oh, it would be badass to have some of these action figures, yeah. Uh, and then, Frederick Nickelhead, who at one time was the manservant to the yes. Tormentor and <laughs> just couldn't take having cheap wine, or was it scotch? No, or? no, just the uh, scotch. Glenn, it was, uh, what did he give him, Glenlivet? And he wanted okay. Glenfiddich? Yes, and he <laughs> threw it in his face, so he said, enough yep. of this shit. Uh, the he Captain had. America stand-in? Oh, right, right, he, right, right. The, uh, Nickelhead's one word man at arms, Egad, who <laughs> maybe my probably my yeah, second my second favorite character in the book. Exactly. His one he's words throwed. are just fantastic, yeah. yeah. Oh kind of, he kind of, <laughs> kind of punctuates the action with one pithy one word in interjections. We have Crashman. Crashman is the Captain America, the America's uh, favorite hero stand in who needs to be rescued and unfortunately That's he takes the credit when it was really Adam Archer rescuing him. The people don't, the uh, powers that be, don't want the 
average citizen to know that Crash Man isn't exactly the hero that they think he is. Who I else do we it. have? Uh, oh. he, he wasn't in it a lot, and he got on my nerves very quickly. Uh, Discordia's attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. with the collar, with the, with the spiked collar. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, the, the Gotti Boga, responsible yeah. for uh-huh. the big, actually the Big Bang. The, this cosmic yeah. entity called Iboga kicked the shit out of all the other cosmic entities. Each blow that they landed destroyed planets and suns and just destruction on a unimaginable scale. Knocks mm-hmm. the crap out of all his brother gods and just ponders. Sits and ponders. And as he ponders, he gives way to the Big Bang. His heart explodes and creates the Big Bang, thus giving way to our universe. That is cool. Very cool. Uh, there's the general cool. who's in charge of the I was just going to say, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite, the triad, Ed, Ego, and Supra. Uh, uh-huh. You, you like that PM today? A little, uh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then the nice little thing about it is you have these three cosmic entities who took the, the uh, forms of three escaped convicts and uh, their goal is to detonate a nuclear device in Nevada. And then you have, obviously, stand-ins for Freud's three-pronged model of the human psyche, the id, the ego, and the superego. I mean, the names are the same. But then you have, to balance it, you have the sisters, Angie, Stella, and Neela, who, if you take note of their personalities, are the id, the ego, and the superego. Which was that, a great that, that is exactly you what it is, and, and I... Totally missed that. Me too. Until Vince said it today, I totally missed it. Because you have Stella's the motherly, even-tempered one. Mm-hmm. Angie's mm-hmm. the impulsive punk teenager mm-hmm. who wears anarchy like a designer label, and then you have Neela, who's jealous and envious yes, and yes. and kind of hates her brother a little bit because he got picked bit. to go to because <laughs> he got picked to go to Mars, and her sexy ass was left back to <laughs> to make make a sandwich and and have babies like she should uh, but uh <laughs> Janice but, yep <laughs> you know and say the laugh out loud part when he mentioned the name of his god Jerogan I yes. screamed I screamed I was like <laughs> no Jerogan obviously Joe Rogan who another one of the advocates for psilocybin mushrooms and mind expanding drugs. See, the the these compounds are the key that unlocks the door to higher consciousness. And yeah. who was what was the name of his prophet? Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> Come uh, on, I'll give you a hint. Just, two I, minutes, I two minutes to midnight. Yes, that's right. But Dickinson. But Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I saw that. I said, "Oh wait!" And that's when I started reading Jerogan a little bit carefully. It's like I'm not saying anything aloud. I'm just reading it in my head, and it's like, "Okay, yes, yeah, so you just made up a name." But then I'm like, "I said, wait, two minutes." Oh, but Dickinson, and then that's when I caught on to the whole Joe Rogan thing. I was like, All right, "Prophet, that's, that's Joe Rogan." Casey, Casey's having a lot of fun writing this book. Yes, and it's it's a a testament to the joy of creation. You could tell. He's just geeking out, yeah. pondering the possibilities of the words that he can put in these characters' mouths and the situations he can push them in. It's just—it's a, a wonderful, guilt-free comic. It, I, I love every freaking page of this thing. Guys, I'm letting you know that the future generations of comic book fans—they're out there. I just witnessed. One of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen at work. A coworker brought in her three and a half year old boy 
And not only was he dressed in, like, you know, Spider-Man t-shirt, but he also had a Spider-Man action figure. And so I was chatting with him. Well, trying to. He spoke Spanish. Yo no hablo espanol. And his mom demonstrated that this kid knew the secret identities to Batman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Nova. That's right, Nova. Three and a half years old, knows who Richard Ryder is. I didn't know who that was until college. There is hope. Tons of hope. All right. Now, Vince, you're you're a um, a self-professed Kirby nut. You you love your Kirby. I think everybody that's um, you know here tonight and anyone that's listening to the show knows that uh, that that he's your guy. Um, you should have called it Kirby Land, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't really talked to many like you know hardcore Kirby fans. You know, Skioli is obviously is that how you say his name? Yeah, Skioli. Okay, another uh, Italian. I mean, I mean, this is. Um, you know, <laughs> a, definitely an homage to everything. It just drips Kirby on every page. Yeah. Um, first of all, do you think he does a good Kirby? And second of all, are you cool with him so blatantly doing Kirby? Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell the second part first. I'm more than okay because it wouldn't be a love letter if he didn't cop the style. And and it's not like he only set out to draw like Kirby. If you look at his other work, that eight opus book mm-hmm. that he had prior to this, he's been drawn like like Jack for a long time. Yeah. So it's not just like, hey, let's do a Kirby knockoff book. No, th- he loves Kirby. And if you adopt a, st- a person's style as your own, and uh, I don't want to say improve, but add your personality along with it. I mean, you got to love the source, mm-hmm. pun intended. So, <laughs> no, uh I, I'm I'm great with it. I it's a it's a thank you to Jack Kirby on every page. Mm-hmm. And so you what was like, the first you, you question? He, he, does, th- does he does he do a good Kirby? Does he stay pretty? Oh yeah. Pretty, okay. The the largest in life elements are there. The dynamism is there. It's close, but not too close. Mm-hmm. Because there are dudes out there that can ape Kirby to a T. This is three fourths Kirby and one quarter uh, Scioli. So, yeah, yeah, I mean cool. it's it's his. I mean it's obviously it's obviously Kirby. It's it's a love letter. I, I wouldn't even say Kirby influence. It's there's Kirby all over it. I mean there's Kirby crackle in it for yeah. God's sake. But you know there's a little bit of him in there as well. I mean it's not. I've been but, I've been but, reading the the Kirby omnibuses. I just picked up the Kirby losers, and you know it's it's different. Mm-hmm. But and well, let's give the man credit. The designs are spectacular. The oh, the, the design for Jerogan, Jack never designed anything like that. But this is a super solid design with the the flower head and the crackle coming out of the and the 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 skin and just the Iboga design. Uh, they're homages without being ripoffs, and that's really hard to do. That's, Think about uh, it. Ma- yeah. Maxim is totally Kirby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask, Vince, because I know you've been reading this from the start, much like Chris and I think like David. I, I picked up the Celestial Edition, and it's actually had been on my shelf for a while. But as this started coming out, were a lot of people critical of it or did dismissive of it because it does so much look like Kirby? Because I know what Chris is asking in the sense that you know people fairly or unfairly can can look at something like this and just dismiss it out of hand as a Kirby knockoff. But if they gave it a try, I think they'd have a hard time not seeing it for what it is, which is which is as you say, 
more of a, a love letter. But but I'm just curious because I know you you've been passionate about this book from the start. I mean, was there that criticism? I mean, do you think a lot of people haven't given this a fair shake because of that? Or well, or I, not so I don't much? I don't recall there being any kind of blowback for, from the mm-hmm. book because the the creative team is unapologetic in their love for the man. They they wear the inspiration on their sleeves. It's on every right. page, and it's it's not like let's rip off Kirby. It's let's thank Jack for all the things he did and try and even approach the, the man's greatness. And mm-hmm. it's 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 conceptual, so it it works. The, the if um, you look in the back of this book, there are text pieces. Yeah, where where Casey explains what he was thinking, and you can't do cosmic. Without doing Kirby, and this is a, a yeah. rooted in the cosmic, and he he goes to say where in the seventies where they experimented Jack in particular and had people riding planets and and all these amazingly expansive ideas, and then it was gone, and he wanted to go back to that, and when you go back to it, you go to the guy that coined the the style, you go to Jack, so. I, I don't think there was any kind of uh, repercussions when it came out. I remember a lot of people being excited, and then there were delays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there, were, I mean, there, were, there was, a, I think, especially between happens. issues eleven and twelve, there were delays. Okay, to, to the point where uh, I remember Image or Larson saying, "It's not canceled. It's not gone away. It will be back. Bide your time." Because I can't imagine this level of creativity being easy or quickly accomplished there's mm-hmm. just so much to it too also i think we have to throw uh, bill crabtree some love oh, for the yeah. colors yeah i mean it's it's oh, yeah. this book is just it, it just pops off the page with the colors it's just yeah. it's just a gorgeous looking book and, and i think the colors do play a, a yeah. big part yeah. of it yeah and starkings with the packaging Starkings. and the lettering i mean yep. this is Starkings a book where the lettering. they the lettering is very important yeah and this is like a kitchen sink edition because Every ad that they cobbled together, every, every covers in here, literally every ad that they ever published in an image comic for Godland is in this book, yeah. in in the back. And then you get the text pieces, the email correspondence between yeah, Kelly and, and Scioli. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very expansive. <laughs> and that fits. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um yeah, it's thirty four ninety nine for the hardcover celestial edition. But as far as hardcover editions go, it's it's oversized. So mm-hmm. the artwork looks absolutely wonderful in the oversized presentation. And then yeah, the extras in it, man, for thirty five bucks. And I'm sure that if it's still available, like in stock or something like that, you can probably score it for what twenty twenty five, twenty seven bucks or something like that. Totally. And and no dust jacket. The the, the cover has uh, the art. Is, you know, flaps to worry about the whole uh, the Pretty inside cover. Stock. Yeah, the inside yeah. cover and facing page, and also on the back is is Adam Archer flying at you with 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 those super psychedelic tie dye cover colors, and it's it really it's it's yeah. Even the holiday and, and, special story was cute. And Basil Cronus has become one of my favorite modern character designs right there with uh, Space Boy from uh, Umbrella Academy. I think yeah. are probably two of the best character designs of the last uh, 10 years, easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I'll say about this book, too, is that the back matter, I'm, I'm not usually one 
that gets too into a lot of the back matter that are in trades and collected editions. I mean, I might glance at it, but I never get too absorbed in it. But uh, for some reason, um, I, I really dug almost all of the back matter in this and, and read read it read every every page of it. So it really well put together and, and very interesting the way they laid it out. So yeah, there are panels and pages in this book that will stand up to anything Jack has done. That's, those are big words. The yeah. cover, Iboga slicing the planet in, in half, that, mm-hmm. that's just perfect. And the, the double page with Iboga putting the smack down on his brothers where he has the mace and he's mm-hmm. barreling through, just perfection. Jack, that looks like Jack was peering over his shoulder as he was drawing it. He was channeling, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I mean, I yeah. can go through the whole book and just pinpoint the panels where it's like, oh, my God, dude, you totally killed that. Mm-hmm. There's at least one every other page. I mean, they're all very nicely designed, but there are certain panels that just stand the hell out. Uh, Nickelhead with the martini and the, the, the igloo with the Kronos' head in it. It's brilliant. And how about the scene where Nickelhead's dancing to Bob Dylan? Yes. Nice. It just freaked me the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> Basil's head on, on Discordia's body when he was doing the, oh, no, you didn't. With the yeah. with, where the hand yeah. is, <laughs> he's like, "Hold on, this mouth heart break smokes." <laughs> and oh, then the whole, so and much then, fun! And then and then the the mice, Clark Kent, and and Superman. Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this this was chock full of just. Is off the wall. I tried to look at it from be like, "All right, I'm gonna be serious. I'm gonna read it," but you can't. You gotta just. I mean, you. Just throw everything out the window. It's yeah. it's it's just it's out there and it's so much fun and and I mm. don't I'm kicking myself for holding it out as long as I did and and I mean I've I've had this pretty much for I I, I had this back when we were doing bullpen bulletins I still haven't read it and it's it's just it's great stuff yeah even the um, you know here he is this cosmic being who can do almost anything he can imagine but yet every time he uses a new attack it's it's in the homage to you know 70s kung fu films where it's yep. you know selective photospheric burst attack you know it's yes. <laughs> I mean it's just that uh, I like that a lot and then you get the ungrateful fuckers I was just going to say yes yeah. and, there's, and there's the fallout from the oh maybe he gave me cancer oh, jesus yeah. christ or he just <laughs> saved your life i don't know pick one yeah and the, and the whole the whole thing with the trial and the the population thinking whether maybe they should sue there's a lot of reality tv in this there's yes. a lot of pop culture mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. but, Mod- but then modern you- pop culture for a book that feels just drips late 60s and 70s a lot of modern pop culture in it yep i will say the trial went was over a lot sooner than i thought it was going to be <laughs> i got to the halfway point in the book and i'm like okay let's see how oh okay well never mind then uh, well, you know what what i what i love about that is that god you know in the late 60s and 70s that's how long it would have taken yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't spend <laughs> six months <laughs> on a, trial. a story arc just for that yeah yeah yep. yeah it would have been like in out plus done. plus it's not like yeah it's it's matt murdoch's not trying the case this was the jury knew it. they were just like no fuck it she's guilty <laughs> that's yeah. all there is to it yeah we're, we're coming yeah. back with the verdict yeah well so, so and you- what's awesome about it they just had to get to a point where they could blow her head off so so nick so nickelhead could put <laughs> yeah. could put, <laughs> put Cronus's head on her body. Oh, what does he? <laughs> what are the awesome. first the first words he say? He says, "Blah blah blah." And I think I'm menstruating. Yes. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it's nuts. Oh, and, so and that's why I say Joe Casey is a character in this book. There is no entity called Joe Casey in it, but the, the man is, I mean, his personality. I don't know the guy. I'd like to. But I've never met him, but I could tell. I would instantly hit it off with the guy because I feel like I know him after I, after reading this. Now, now, what was up with with Angie? Cuts her hair, so she's got like the buzz cut, and then she's completely bald. And then, hey, no, wait, no, there's still some hair there. And it's like I didn't know he was also channeling some Vinnie Coletta going on in this book. This was yeah, I, I was own pencils. You know, it was crazy. It's <laughs> like it's like well, we know we know Jack may not have always had the best people embellishing him, so. It's it, which, and I, I was talking to Chris about this the other day. It's just, it, it just puts another layer on it, and it's, it just. Oh, adds, you know what that could be? And, well, it's obviously intentional that they did that, right? Because of the and and the the sequence that David's talking about is in issue eleven. <laughs> issue twelve was late, so maybe her hair grew in the space between issues eleven and twelve. <laughs> could be. Uh-huh. There, there, there's high concept for you. Wow, that's that. That's like Spider-Man Blue between issues uh, three and four. Yeah, while 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 Peter's talking into uh, into the dictaphone, he, he, and and there was there was a lag between issues three and four. What? And and he said uh, dictaphone. I, I did. <laughs> and and there was there was a delay between issues three and four, and I believe starting off in the fourth issue, he even says something about how it, it, it feels like it's been a while since you know he. He last <laughs> let off. And it was, it was I was like, hey, all right, Jeff. Thank That's you very funny. much. I hate answering the dictaphone. Hate it. I know you would. It's so demeaning. <laughs> 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 so you got pop culture out the wazoo, literary, filmic. High concept. Uh, concept uh, comic book references buried all through this thing. You have pop psychology references. You have Joe Casey's personality, a love letter to Jack Kirby in 70s cosmic comics it's this is as close to perfect as a comic is going to get oh and by the the way it is absolutely action-packed yeah every issue is just packed with action but there's so much other stuff going on you know in between panels in between different story breaks the pacing to it is different than what you're going to get in just about any comic book right now it's part soap opera so uh, yeah it's it's really a, a a beautifully done book. It's uh, I I loved it. And you can witness the fury of Janice's snap crackle bolas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to call these things? Well, snap crackle bolas. Okay, works. The thing is too about this book is I, I although I read it here in the collected edition too, it's hard not to notice that this book I think would have read great in individual issues which you can't say for a lot of books these days True, i mean right. clearly every issue had a had a its own theme had its own you know conclusion and cliffhanger which is pretty badass because again that that's another homage to an to an, uh, a different a bygone time in comics you know and you 99 an issue too I, it's a real conundrum though because i have this beautiful 12 issue plus the the christmas backup which was great celestial edition and i want like volume two so i don't want to start buying it in single issues because i'm Mm -hmm. spoiled with this beautiful hardcover what to do what to do i don't know what they're going to do because it's progressed past the point where another 12 issue celestial Mm -hmm. edition would leave them with only six or eight issues after so you're going to have two of the same size and then one little thin one 
Well, are the, is the series wrapped up? Because they're, what, on issue 29 or something? Yeah, I think it ends at either 30 or 32, not long after 30. So if it ends at 32, that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, Or better yet, 36, but I don't think it's going to. But yeah. yeah, it's not it's not long, not long for the world. So you missed out, guys. If you didn't read it, now you got to yeah. play catch up and go back and get the collected editions because it's one of those things like Watchmen and Killing Joke. It's one of the th- one of the comics that you should read because it's fantastic. David Vince Neesman and Wood, what's up? This is the Big Largeness, aka Chris Eaton. I just finished reading a graphic novel and it was so good I had to call and tell you guys about it right away. I See a Darkness, which is a uh, graphic biography, basically, of Johnny Cash, written by a, a guy named, uh, written and drawn, actually, by a guy named Reinhard Kleist, is one of the most amazing graphic novels I've ever read. Now, I am a bit biased, because I am a huge Johnny Cash fan, but it's just so well written, and it flows so well, and there's these great little uh, sort of psychological or psychedelic episodes where... Uh, some of the songs are played out on pages, uh, and Johnny Cash would be the main character in the songs, and it's it's really great stuff. I I can't say enough good about this book. I got it, it at uh, around 12 o'clock, and the thing's about 217 or 220 pages, and it is right now 210, and I have finished it about five minutes ago. So it, I just flew through it. Um, amazing, amazing pencil work. It's all black and white art. Um, amazing stuff. And just a little bit of the symbolism that you know Vince really digs, and, and I really dig too. I can't say enough good about it, as I said. Um, everybody needs to read this. A fan of, fan of Cash or not, you definitely need to read this. It's the best thing I've read this year. So go out and check out I See a Darkness uh, by Reinhard Kleist. That's all I want to talk about, guys. Uh, we thank you for uh, promoting our 100th episode. It went very well, and uh, keep on clocking. Later, guys. I'm not saying it's as good as or in the same league with, even though for me it is, but not many people would think that it is in the same league with Watchmen, but it's of the same caliber. On a, on, a, on, a, on a pure enjoyment, on a pure enjoyment level, I, I'm telling you, I haven't had uh, a Sunday afternoon on the couch that has been that entertaining in a long time. I mean, I hey, no. I set that I set that down. <laughs> hey, I set that down on some, you know, Marta was uh, at an all day conference, and so I was able to just kind of nerd out and read comics and and uh, and be lazy on Sunday, and that you know. The Godland was a was a high point, you know, yeah. the, and, of, of the Sunday for me. It was awesome. And when I compare a book to another book, like when I say this is up there with Watchmen, I don't have a set of categories where, I, mm-hmm. you know, they all have to balance out where Watchmen, uh, literary references, okay, there's a click in that one and there's a click in this one over here. It gave me the same enjoyment, same amount of enjoyment as Watchmen. So there you mm-hmm. go. And, and I, while we're on the subject of reviews... Did you guys happen to? I'm not going to derail the conversation, but did you stop by Scott McCloud's blog or his his website recently? He said no, something uh, really oh, the, the criticism. Yes, did you read that? I I, did, I had it up, but I I didn't get a chance to read it today. I just want to read no. it, and then we can get back to uh, Godland. Scott McCloud says, "For myself, I always consider reviews useful, even the hatchet jobs." 
it makes my heart sink a little when I hear other artists dismiss all reviews as irrelevant to their process. A common claim is that reviews tell us only about the reviewer. It's kind of true and tell us nothing about the work. But I disagree. Yes, reviewers have biases. Yes, they miss the point sometimes. But there's always some kind of information embedded in any reaction to any creative effort. That's a really nice way to look at things, especially for someone as accomplished as Scott McCloud. Like, the guy has a lot of notches in his belt, and he could be really dismissive if he wanted to. But he realizes that even the comic book guy in The Simpsons, even his opinions matter. And I, and I thought, wow, this is what we do, and, and I'm, I'm kind of grateful that Scott McCloud feels this way. When we say, well, okay, when I say that Godland, to me, is as good as Watchmen, I'm not wrong. <laughs> and Scott McCloud thanks me for saying that. <laughs> you qualify it any way you want there, Vince. No, I'm joking. <laughs> ah, I love you. <laughs> so let's, let's wrap this Godland up because if we've been trailing the, the yeah. Iboga for a while. I, I don't want to give away I, anymore. Um, I think we stay kind of spoiled. I don't think we said anything that would spoil anyone from reading it. Now, the covers spoiled more of the story, I think, than we did. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. if you can spoil it uh, because it's really more of a – it's it's really just an awesome ride. It's like spoiling a, royal, a roller coaster. You can tell <laughs> someone about it, you know, but, it, you know, you really need to really need to read the book to, to get that – you know, level of enjoyment out of it. So yeah, go if you can find the Celestial edition. It's it's a fantastic way to read it, and I, no. I assume that it's still available, right? Oh, I hope I hope so. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I always wanted to try Iboga. Always, I always you had. no, no, because it's on the uh, controlled substances list. It's uh, uh-huh. it's on the it's a Schedule One drug. <laughs> Because, yeah, geez, you know... I was going to say you know too much about this. No, it, <laughs> it, it, I, I'm a student of psychoactive substances because <laughs> it's been documented to almost eliminate nicotine, heroin, cocaine, alcohol, amphetamine, methamphetamine, opium, methadone, addiction, virtually el- eliminate it in a fraction of the time that the so-called traditional methods work. Really? It's been, it's been known to combat and in some case eliminate Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, other neurodegenerative disorders. Yeah. So why wouldn't they put it on the Schedule 1 list? <laughs> Come on. they got to make money for the big pharma. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Whatever. But for further research, if you're into this shit, I'll drop some names on your ass. Terrence McKenna. Dennis McKenna, Daniel Pinchbeck, Timothy Leary, William Burroughs, Grant Morrison, Are You Serious, Philip K. Dick, Robert Anton Wilson, Rick Strassman, who else? Aldous Huxley, Carlos Castaneda, Allen Ginsberg, Tool, Research, Vonnegut. Re- Research Tool, Vonnegut, who else did I? Alex Gray, did I say Timothy Leary? No, yeah. I don't think you did. Okay, no. Timothy Leary, Research Them All. Read The Doors to perspe- uh, Perception. Read The Spirit Molecule. DMT, dimethyltryptamine. Great stuff. And while you're at it, take some of this shit, too. <laughs> <laughs> Mario's like, yeah. That's about it. Vince just <laughs> turned into Towley from South Park. <laughs> I'm going to talk like McKenna all the time because I love talking Ooh. like him. Hey, Yikes. <laughs> all right. So what else do we have? Oh, oh, I have an update. Actual comic book journalism. Ooh. Oh, yeah? This week, well, Okay, I'll, I'll preface this by saying the news that Library Binding was closing shop was powerful scary to me. 
Because, as I've always said, I want to have my stuff bound, and I never got up off my ass and collated my books and got them all organized and sent them all down to Waco, Texas. So, when I heard that news, I popped off an email to James Jasek, who is Library Binding, and I said, please tell me you guys aren't closing shop. And he cleared everything up for me. They, uh, the reports of their demise have been greatly exaggerated. They, they are not closing shop. And there were a few things he wanted me to pass on to you, anyone who is interested in having your books bound. Those collectors who live in apartments need to let us know so we can send the order signature required because they sent an order to a customer in New York and the package was left at the door and some bastard crooked it. Nah, Freaking New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. So even, York. even though they had insurance. What happens out on east, on the east coast with all oh, the hooligans? Because yeah. Chicago is crime free. Yeah. Because he, That's even, right at the top. even though they had insurance on the package, UPS refused to pay the claim. As far as UPS is concerned, the package was delivered. Boom. Once it's out of their hands, it's out of their hands. So the only way to fight this is to send out the order with a signature required tag. And this costs $2.75 extra to UPS. So just keep that in mind. And he said all the trouble we were having was due to a larger bindery trying to buy us out and put us out of business. See, this is the inside scoop. This is not the Rich Johnson scoop. The bindery, the bindery is out of Omaha, Nebraska, and they would have shut us down. They have been wanting us out of business for years, and their attack totally failed. The comic book business would have stopped as they would not bind for the individual, and what work they do is terrible. They also do not oversew. That's very important. All is well. We're open for business, and right now would be a good time for collectors to send work down as we are caught up, and delivery would be really fast. Don't Sweet. be don't be a Vince B. Get your books together and send them down to Library Binding. You can find them on the web at www.librarybinding.com. They're in Waco, Texas. James Jasek is a sweetheart. And do you want to know what I sent down? Yes, I do. I, I sent down three volumes: Incredible Hulk number two hundred seven to two twenty nine, Incredible Hulk number three fifty to three seventy four, and Incredible Hulk number three seventy five to four hundred. So I will be I will be having three green volumes with beautiful gold lettering winging my way pretty soon. That is wonderful. Yes, it is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh-uh. Did you and, just and do the the sort of no frills, or did you do anything like inserts, no. a table of contents, anything like that? No, I'm a no frills guy. No, no die frills. no die stamp on the front. Basic lettering on the spine. They provide those lines, panel lines at the top and the bottom. They'll mm-hmm. they'll do a, a section for the title of the book the publisher of the book and you can even have like a little section with creative people mm-hmm. involved so I put what's the word I put for 207 to 229 David what's the artist's name 207 who had the longest run on Incredible Hulk oh uh, David Peter David oh right the artist oh uh, Salbashima yes right so I, I put uh, Len Wein Salbashima uh, who else I think uh, Stephen Grant did a couple did Stephen Grant do it Yes, I think he came on at, right at the end of, tail end of Len Wein's run. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a no frills kind of guy. As long as the books are bound and I can go to my, my bookshelf, pull it off, and sit down and read a nice run of, of comics, that's money in the bank. And I think it costs like 15 bucks a volume. That's crazy cheap. That's not bad. For no. about 25 yeah. issues? About 25, yeah. You can get away with a little more. Modern comics, you can get away with more. Older comics, Twenty fives, I think, pushing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nothing, I nothing by uh, Bill Mantlo yet. No, sorry, no, because okay. I'm missing a couple issues before two oh seven. 
Okay. I, obviously, I'm missing 181 because, like a jackass, I sold it. So. Oh. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. I want to bang what? my head. 181. Oh, the, yeah, the Wolverine one. Yeah, I sold it. You would. You wouldn't buy that anyway. I would probably put the reprint in the I bond would edition. Really hope that you wouldn't mm-hmm. buy that. No. Yeah, I'd be very. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I tell you, I would go back as far as 20 cent covers for certain books. Mm-hmm. Not, not. Su- I'm binding. Um, Reader copies, right? I'm binding the uh, McFarlane Wolverine. That goes for like hundred bucks. The Hulk issue oh, with the with yeah. the blades. I'm binding that. I don't care. I've, I have two of them. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. So yeah, that's the update on uh, library bonding and James Jasek. They are taking orders. Check them out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna bind my Gotham Central and the uh, Diggle Jock Losers series. Oh. Will probably be at the at the top of my list. See, I don't think See, you should bind the Losers series because they're putting out a one volume. I was just well, say, they, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're putting yeah. out a one volume. Yeah. yeah, they just announced it for. Um, they're putting out a, a volume. It was uh, part of the Baltimore. It's only, it's, it's only the first twelve issues, though. Oh, that's true. But they're going to put. You know, they'll put out. But they're going to follow it up with. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? They're no. Wait, they, they, it's, a, it's a one volume no, edition. It's all of them. No, no. That was Miss. That was Miss Loika's uh, interpretation. That was, I think, a little off. Oh, wherever you got this. Pass. Yeah. Yeah, the notes were actually it was the Chris is right the first twelve issues. No, I think everybody else is wrong and Pat is right. <laughs> I had a pick, I'd go I'd go with Pat. first time. All right, I mean we knew the last time. <laughs> um should we talk about some of the some of the news that came out of Baltimore? Shit, yeah. Why not? Yeah, let's um, um they announced uh Wednesday Comics is gonna be collected in uh, uh, 11 by 17 hardcover. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how it's going to be configured, uh, if it's going to be multiple volumes or if they're going to put each story together. I don't, I don't know any of the details on it, but it is going to be in 11 by 17 hardcover, which I think is going to be pretty pretty sweet. Swizzy as hell. So 50 mm-hmm. bones. I'm just crossing my... How many hardcovers do they say they're going to be? Two? Or no, my understanding is I don't know. one volume for 50 bucks. Wow, yeah. that's, that's... 11 a, by 17. Wait a minute, right. that's a bargain. How come? Yeah. Well, they I mean they want to sell it. <laughs> I mean, that's right though. If you think about it, it was mm-hmm. it was 3.99 times well, it 12. It depends cover, on the right? paper stock. I mean, if they're going to use the same paper yeah. that they used in the No, the, I, I bet they I bet they I bet they do something. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. It will I would be imagine I I'd actually like to see a little bit heavier stock on that for for a hardcover. To see, you know, because yeah. we've Maybe seen for some it. of the stories, I don't think like 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 the Flash stories. I don't think would. I, I like the paper those stories were told on. But I mean, that's 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 yeah. personal. And and a lot uh, of the the concept is going to be killed with that edition. Mm-hmm. Th- those who didn't buy into the single issues are missing out on a huge chunk of the appeal of that thing. Yeah. What's some of the other news that came out? Um... Cable and Hope, baby, come on! <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that shit. Uh, I cannot it's... wait. Is this going to be a new Umbrella Academy? Yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of Gerard Way, there'll be a new book with uh, with Becky Cloonan. Yeah, which is not Umbrella Academy. That's still that's still mm-hmm. Gabriel Ba, right? Doing something with Becky Cloonan. That's interesting. That is. That's cool. She's fantastic. Yeah. She yeah. really is. I love her art. Jason, fire up your browser and get us some topics here. Because we're old and we can't remember everything. Actually, what... what, what what I, I had to laugh about was who the uh, who the big bad is for Image United. Oh, I didn't. I kind of. You didn't click the spoiler. No, okay. because All it's right. a spoiler. We'll say it. All right, we'll say. It. <laughs> oh, and I will. We got a lot of uh, comments last episode that the spoiler warning was too damn long. <laughs> so we're so gonna sh- shorten it down right. to about five seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, fa- all right, Fowler, you you old bow legged bastard, you're gonna have to get up from your desk a little <laughs> bit quicker. That's right. 
put that drawing board close to the stereo. Because, <laughs> yeah, as I was doing I'm like, wow, I was digging the, the freaky sounds and stuff. And once I heard it on the playback, I was like, this is too freaking long. <laughs> well, anybody who's got any complaints can always sign up for a refund. That's never a there, problem. There. Uh, or they can come uh, over to my house and I'll make them pasta. For um for Blackest Night, DC is releasing. Now, are these one shots of, of canceled yeah, series? One off issues, yeah. I yeah, think these. that's a just a brilliant idea, and it's also a really neat uh, way for like you know uh, Starman fans to uh, to have uh, James Robinson go back to the well for an issue, which is kind of neat. Um, there will be no Jack Knight. As Matt, so, I mean, and, Matt Kramer will tell you it's not Jack Knight. But. Right. Well, even Robinson said it's not going to be Knight. I think there's one missed opportunity that could have possibly led to a new series. Okay, Blackest Night, Revived Heroes or Villains. Why aren't they doing Resurrection Man? Hello? <laughs> the, the, the concept is, is ripe. It's Why? not over yet. Hello? Uh, I know. <laughs> But that, that was only, one of my all halfway time. through. I love that book. It'll never be over the way they're coming out with tie-ins. That's true. Hey, it's, uh, they, you know, the, hey, no, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt about it. You know, they, you, they're paying, they're paying the bills with this one. So yeah. I haven't been disappointed with anything yet. So. What is, they, you guys forgot the most important announcement of the of the retailer. I was waiting to hear this. I was waiting to hear this. Go ahead. The Deadpool core, bitches. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, I'm there. DP core in the house. You say Actually, Deadpool core, really? Yep. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's Jason or if it's just my changing tastes, but Jason's influence. You say Deadpool, I say how high. Nice. I, 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 did you get 600? Oh, well, 900. 900. Uh, it, it's coming on Friday. Dude, they reprinted the, what is it, the Deadpool team-up issue. Yeah, DP team-up. That yeah. thing goes for like 55 bucks. I know, it's Not awesome. Um, the, uh, Vince, another thing uh, that uh, I know you, you love, uh, Mr. Tony Dezuniga. Yes. He is going to be uh, drawing a uh, Jonah Hex OGN. Oh, I can't uh, so. wait. Nice. Yep, which is pretty bad. At. One of the many and, Filipino artists. Mm-hmm. Speaking of yeah. art, Art Adams. <laughs> oh. oh, dude, yet oh, yeah. again, <laughs> Jeff Loeb is forcing me to buy his comics. He's got... It's That's funny. the first I, thing that came to mind, man. I was like, man, Loeb did it again. I have no interest. I had no interest in revisiting the Ultimate Universe. I long I gave that up long ago and thought I'd never come back. And I, as you guys know, it I'm not I'm not clamoring for more Jeff Loeb comics. And yet the bastard manages to <laughs> announce that that Art Adams is going to pencil his Ultimate X book and that Frank Cho's going to pencil his Ultimate Avengers book. I got to buy them both. You kidding me? Forget yep. it. Yeah. Forget it. Subtitle the Art Adams image. Clean up on aisle three. There's a lot of dead mutants in that thing. Yeah, are, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Charlie's about, neck uh, is all busted up. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got yeah. Uh, Grant Morrison's new Joe the Barbarian series, right? That was announced. Yep. All with, Red's with new. art by... I, I heard oh, it. Oh, 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 more Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy, right? That's right. Oh, nice. Yes. Nice, exactly. That's the selling point for me right there. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, you say Sean Murphy, and, and I say... I say I, 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 that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you got uh, awesome. All Red doing a zombie book. For Vertigo, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome, but I don't think it's going to be a traditional zombie. I think it's going to be like more like a Brother Power the Geek type zombie. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, all red. So yeah. Speaking of zombies, um, Wood picked up the Zombie Survival Guide. The OGN came out yesterday. Oh, okay. And uh, it's the uh, uh, the recorded attacks. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. te- I'm gonna tease it. I'm not gonna talk about it until Around Comics. So you got to listen on Monday. That's what I'm saving oh. for my Around Comics. See, <laughs> we're out of <laughs> 
Yeah, we're coming off the vacation. You, you so save your bone for Arachnoids too, I guess. Uh-huh, oh, uh-huh. thank God we so, talked about Godland. Uh-huh. See, I had, <laughs> you know, I got, I got to save something for, you know, for the, for the other show. We get so. the bone, they get the meat. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not gonna read anything else between now and Friday. Nope, not well, a damn so, thing. Tease it because I was looking through it at the borders. It looks mm-hmm. nice. It looks really nice. It's cool. I'll just say for seventeen ninety nine, I think is what it is. For seventeen ninety nine, it is a very fast read. Okay. Oh, I didn't check the price. Seventeen bucks for that. It's it's not standard size either. It's a little uh, a little smaller. Everything I was bitching about the uh, X Men Noir. Right. Um, I can bitch about with this. It is uh, no, it's seventeen even. So seventeen dollars okay. even. It is. La la la. Don't even know how many pages. That's a pretty it's good not, tune. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's our outro tune. My, how many pages is this? It's probably around 150 pages. So, mm. beautiful art. Yeah, very quick read. A uh, little overpriced for retail. but It's, it's black and white, neat. right? What it's I saw was and white. black and white. Yeah. It's black and white. It's beautifully illustrated. Fun, but uh, yeah, n- not something that you're going to go back and read repeatedly. And, you know, I don't know how much deeper meaning there is to it. There's fun zombie tales. So there you go. So what it- else happened in Baltimore? Uh, the con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody throw him a life preserver. <laughs> No, is that is that it from the retailer summit? You're gonna have uh, Derek Robertson on Conan. Yes, is they're missing somebody. Oh, there he is. Oh, is that a big <laughs> deal? Are uh, you not a fan of Derek Robertson? Oh, of course I am, but I don't know why him being on Conan. I, I, it seems like a lot of people are getting giddy about that. I don't. I don't know that the potential for Carnage is very great. He's writing it too, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Is he really? Excellent. Oh, cool. And that's another one that I could kick myself in the cojones because I don't talk about it enough. Conan from Dark Horse is always good, and I the always Sumerian, read it. You mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I never talk about it. Like the Star Wars books. This Since the uh, realization that, hey, Star Wars books have sucked for a lot of years. Let's try and do these things up right. <laughs> once Richardson revamped, and, and company, let's give credit all around, once they put their magic touch on the Star Wars books, there hasn't been a bad issue yet. Vector was great. Blue Harvest, uh, Invasion, they're all really good. I never talk about them. Why is, is that? Is, is Ostrander a big part of that? Legacy. Yeah, he writes yeah. Legacy. Okay. Okay. With the fantastic Jan Dersima. Right? Oh, man, is she good. Hey, what's up, guys? Ben Pierce. I was uh, just listening to episode 77 on the way back from the Baltimore Comic Con. And uh, I like your uh, conversation about Haunt. Um, I thought it was uh, cool to hear kind of your different takes on it. I'm definitely one of those guys that grew up... Uh, you know, getting Spawn and, and those McFarlane issues of Spider-Man. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. I haven't read it yet, but uh, hopefully it's waiting for me when I get back home. Um, but, yeah, the preview pages I've seen have looked really cool. And I, and I actually, I have to disagree with Wood a little bit. I think you really could, uh, you can see all the artists in it. They just, uh, they each bring a little bit to the table. Like, I think uh, Polo's doing layout, so you have that really kind of, like, cinematic, uh, you know, page compositions and stuff like that that you saw in Spawn. And then the figures are very oddly like they're sort of you know the angular um, angular figures that you see in Invincible. And then uh, shut up, Susie. My GPS is being rude here and interrupting me. Uh, but then uh, but then you got McFarlane inking on top of it, so you sort of it has that gritty kind of McFarlane texture that you know even in those issues of Spawn when you know after Capullo took over, you still had McFarlane inking, so that like 
that gritty kind of uh, texture that everything has is, is definitely McFarlane coming through there. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I'm I'm psyched to read it. And uh, it was it was cool that you guys were talking about it because it was definitely uh, you know one of the buzz things at the Comic Con. Um, a lot of people in Baltimore were excited about Haunt, and of course you had uh, uh, you know Kirkman and uh, Image really actually had probably the biggest presence there out of any of the the publishers. So. Um, yeah, I don't know if you. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been down to the Baltimore show, but uh, it was a nice little con. Um, if you're uh, if you're into meeting creators and getting signatures and that kind of thing, it's really um, it's a lot more low key than like New York, but they still have a really good guest list. Um, you know, guys like Matt Fraction and Jason Aaron were just like at their tables the whole time, and you know that resulted in there being very very little lines throughout most of the day. So yeah, it was a nice little show. Um, I actually I, I came down from New Hampshire to go to it. That's where I live. Uh, so, you know, you guys would and Vince that live a lot closer to Baltimore. If you didn't go, shame on you. Uh, you know, no excuse. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was nice. I got a chance to come down because the guys who run my LCS, Double Midnight Comics, um, they invited me down. They had a booth there. So I basically helped them load in and out and got to go to the show for free. So that was, that was pretty cool. And, uh, uh, yeah, I had a good time. So, um, anyway, oh, and I, one, one more thing. I just wanted to give um, some karma, as you guys would say, to, to Robert Kirkman, because of all the guys that were there, and he was probably one of the bigger name creators there that, you know, people were excited to see and always had a line the whole time. He was there right until the very end when they literally shut the lights off in the place. He was there signing books for, like, every last person that was that was in the place. So, uh, so karma to Robert Kirkman for uh, not only being a good creator, but for, for being a good guy. So, uh, yeah, um, you get a chance to go down that show, enjoy it, and um, uh, talk to you guys later. This is uh, this is Ben, by the way, also of uh, Ben and Josh's Near Mint Comic Show. If you uh, if you care to know, uh, but you know you can cut that part off if you don't appreciate the plug. Um, I should probably I should probably say something funny or witty now so that you keep this part now. I said that, but I don't really have anything, so uh, I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> The the only um, straggler in the in the bunch is Dark Times, because it's been plagued with lateness and for whatever reason, it, mm-hmm. it there's only been like a, a fraction of Dark Times compared to the other ones, but they're all good. All of them are good. Mm. Oh, and the Harvey Awards happened. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised by well, you know what's surprising what? uh, on the uh, on the Twitter how much the creators pay attention to the Harveys. It seems like the Eisners have the cachet, but I didn't see too many people talking about the Eisner's one or the other. But as the Harveys were coming out, man, every freaking... Well, cell reception might have been pretty shitty at the convention center in San Diego. I think I, I, everybody in Baltimore had... Uh, even people who weren't there. But yeah, like, like you said, I didn't get... There were uh, every, every few minutes... On Saturday yeah. night, when I was uh, just scrolling around, yeah, and this one won, and congratulations to to, to that. I was like, all right, that's cool. I, yeah, very it's, it's, I that. think it's much more of a focus at Baltimore than you know than everything else that's going on in San Diego. But uh, no, I mean, the Harvey Harvey Awards are cool. You know, I don't know if we need them. It's as we small as the end. Well, I'm, you know, I, I think the Eisners are. You know, they're the Oscars. Do we need the Golden Globes? You know, yeah. it's, it sells books I, maybe. I talked to a publisher who will remain nameless and talked about they had a, a book that won an Eisner. And it's like, what was the Eisner effect? And it's like, not that big of a deal. You get, uh, you know, you, you get named in 
in, in other ways, like uh, like you know, library associations and that kind of stuff. That's a big deal. Eisners don't mm-hmm. really sell that many books. It's not that big of a deal sales wise. Yeah, but I when mean, every every copy counts, I mean, it's not hurting anyone to have these awards. I mean, look at on TV; they have shit awards for everything. I I think some of the um. I know just by looking at who won the Harvey Awards for 2009, a lot of it is like, yeah, my guy won, or hey, I like him, or I would have voted for him. Like, I know Chris is happy who won Best Colorist. Who won? Dave Stewart? Dave Stewart for Umbrella Academy Dallas. But I know Vince and I will wig out when we find out who won Best Letterer. Yeah, John Workman. Yep. You betcha. God bless you. When when doesn't John Workman win for best letter? When Todd Klein's not running, I don't know. It's it's. it's, And you know who won for best cover (laughs) because no one else is apparently eligible. Did James Jean do a cover last year? I was just for fame. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, apparently. No, seriously, I'm asking. Did he do a cover last year? It was early last year. Yeah, he he did four or five Fables covers last year before he handed it over. Yeah. Will Will he win it again next year? Uh, well, I don't he, think he's he, eligible. He, he, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to matter. <laughs> oh, he, he's eligible because the the hardcover fables. Oh, the hardcover. Yeah, well, well, but do they do that for? Do they do, when they say cover artists? Do they also do covers for collected editions, or is it would that just be for know, a single it's, ongoing series? I don't know. Well, it's, I think it, it would probably depend comics. if it was a new cover or just a. I think it's right. new. Yeah, okay. I think it's. New. I, I hate. I hate it whenever. It's it's like the uh, the gold glove in baseball. It's whenever uh, a creator locks down a category. It's like you know after like seven fucking years. It's like yeah, we get it. James Jean is good. You know, <laughs> Jock might deserve a turn as best cover artist, or you know Dave Johnson, or you know yeah. I mean, what's there's there's other people. Look at their shot I, now. I love I love <laughs> yeah, James Jean. Yeah, I love James Jean. He's great. But, like, seriously, like, five years in a row? It's like, okay, come on. You know, play play a different tune. It's we get it. He's good. You know, there are other good <laughs> artists out there as well. So, you know, and I love the man's work. So he's, 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 he's too good for comics. He's, he's transcended the medium. And, you know, he, he showed that. So No one's too good for comics. Well, if Kirby wasn't too good for comics, no one's too good there for comics. Go. He's, uh, he's, yeah. he's going to be making bank in other places, it looks like. Yeah. So. Zuda Comics got some got some love. And uh, best anchor was, uh, was Mark Morales mm-hmm. for, for his work on Thor. I was a bit surprised at some of the, the winners. There were, there were a couple categories that I remember thinking, mm, I wouldn't have picked that guy. Well, we talked about the nominations a little bit a while ago and, and made some fun because was this was the this was the awards where the uh, NASCAR Heroes was nominated. No, I have to say, looking at the They winner, ran out of though, gas. Yeah, I don't have a problem with too many of the winners. Who did you disagree with, Vince? Um, offhand, I can't remember because I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, what was the best uh, penciler? Read the entire category. Well, I, I think they just have best artist, and then they have a best inker. So okay, so best, best artist. Yeah, best artist was Frank Quitely for All-Star Superman, Jason Cruzy for World of Quest, which I think is a manga because it's by Yen Press. Okay. Um, Jimmy Gownley for Amelia Rules. Wow. Kyle Baker for Nat Turner. Mm. And Gabriel Ba for Umbrella Academy Dallas. Gabriel Ba. Yeah. While you're on the subject of Kyle Baker, yes, sir. He, ha- he has a short story in the Deadpool 900. Okay. 
should have stayed at home. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? You, yeah. You weren't, you weren't thrilled with the preview pages yeah. from that. Don't don't have any blunt, rusty objects near you because you will gouge your eyes out after you look at huh. this thing. Yeah, it's really. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. And Cal Baker is one of the best draftsmen out there. Yeah. And this thing was like oh, so out of left field. And, and I can appreciate out of left field. It's just ooh, a little misstep. Little miss, mm. you know, doesn't tarnish the guy forever. In my opinion, nothing could do that. Did I wasn't grooving on it. Actually, uh, Bob did win. Yeah, Bob won. Right, but I I don't remember what category it was. So I'm for just for best artist, blowing smoke out of my ass again. It happened. No, because I thought I thought someone said quietly won for. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, no. Although uh, Grant Morrison won Grant for Morrison best won writer, for which I mean, and that's the other thing. And and for for All Star Superman to win best series, continuing or limited. I mean, you, yeah. That, granted, yeah. you had Captain America on the list, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which most people will say is not comics, Mice Templar, and Umbrella Academy. But All-Star Superman, which had, I think, three issues max, the last three issues of the series, and sporadically come out in the year it was eligible, I still don't see why that would be eligible, let alone the clear winner. Mice Templar was on there? Was on, was on the Mice Templar's good. We, what all three issues? No, no, it's it's on its second run already. There's a, a second series it's now. Time, yeah. yeah. Oh, is there really? Yeah. Oh, okay. for, there was a sketchbook. The first series ran, I think, six or eight issues. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, oh, well, no. I want to be stupid. I didn't know that there were that no, many issues that came good, out. Good stuff. Yeah. More, a lot, a lot more. Tattoo. Yeah, that's a great book. I'm that, sorry, that's, what's that? Anthology, comic kind of book tattoo for best anthology. That yeah, calls to me whenever I see it on the shelf because I don't have it yet. Oh really? Yeah, it's just like her music. It just yeah, same here. You know, it's awesome. I used the uh, I used one of the old the good old Borders forty percent coupons to get that. Ah. It was uh, Vince. Have you read uh, Kirby King of Comics? I don't have it yet. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Well, you know why? Because I heard it was more of an art book than it was a investigation into the man oh, okay. and his. Yeah, there's there's a lot of images, not real heavy on the text. So I said, well, I'll You've check it out it someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I haven't seen it all. I, I, you could never have enough Kirby. But if it was that or buying something that I don't have, I always go with the don't have. Okay, because that yeah. one that won two awards. That one. Uh, yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me saying yay. Yeah. I didn't even read the damn thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's Kirby, the best humor publication. Was um, Al, Al Jaffe? Yep, Tall Tales. Right. Really? What was the, what were the other ones? For humor and comics. What uh, were the contenders? Larda Souza, least I could do. Uh, Jenna Gallagher, Buzz Boy, Jeff Kinney, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and David Malky for Wondermark. Wow, no Johnny Ryan? Unbelievable. I don't know who, who Johnny Ryan for what. Uh, I can't. <sighs> it's Fantagraphics. Um, oh, <laughs> what the hell is the name of the book? I have it right over there. Over there, over the end. Uh, forget it. The, uh, and, you know, and you know what? While we're talking later, I'll be like, that's the name, you know? And I'll oh. get the joke because everybody's going to wonder what the hell was edited out. Yeah. The, the Kirby King of Comics won the complete local, I mean, won the special uh-huh. award for excellence in presentation, as Wood pointed out, and it beat other contenders such as the complete local hardcover edition <laughs> and the Queen and Country Volume 3. Oh, snap. Yeah. Featuring oh, I, Greg Rocka, Mike Norton, Steve Ralston, and Chris Omni. Hey, I, I I love the the Queen and Country definitive editions, obviously, but for 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 the complete local to keep getting hosed in these awards because, yeah. because that Brian that, that I don't know that collection is so nice and Angry it, Youth Comics. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 so uh, uh, no, but yeah, lo- local should have yeah, 
of some hardware on the uh, on the mantle for uh, for uh, Brian Wood and Ryan Kelly because that collection was was really nice and actually whoever at Oni uh, greenlit them doing such a nice presentation on that yeah, and for it to to get hosed in the award ceremonies is it's too bad so not not that Kirby King Comics isn't you know a really nice book but that they went above and beyond on that local hardcover I mean, it's awesome it is it sweet. is a nice collected edition yeah I'll, uh, I, I, I can I can oh do we have some others no I was just gonna say I'll uh, have to take everybody's word for it when it comes to uh, the best single issue or story because that was uh, that was given to why the last man number 60 wow of the, no uh, kidding. Of the nominees I, I i say it's yeah i think it's you're probably right i still have yet to read nat turner i have never read nascar heroes number five <laughs> although love and rockets volume three number one and for, well firstborn aftermath by tom cow and Acme Novelty Library number nineteen were also on the list. You know, I, I have trouble with you know something like that with like Why the Last Man because it's that's the last issue of epic sixty issue run, and yeah, it was a great issue if you read the fifty nine issues <laughs> leading up to it. You know, and, and was it a great issue? Absolutely. So I guess it qualifies in that. But whenever I think best standalone issue, you know, I think of like a great Paul Denny written detective comics, you know, standalone issue. Ed Bennett's or... Justice League comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one last year? Or Gene Ha, sorry, Gene Ha drawing Justice League. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the Ed, Bennis, yeah. well, for Ed, for Ed Bennis' ability to show an ass shot and a tit yeah. shot from the same person. In the same no, I, I was thinking, because, you know, Justice League won the eyes from last year. But it was, yeah, uh, it was last that, year, there's that it, one the issue. Yeah, the Gene Ha issue. Vixen well, and I, yeah, yeah, Boy. Yeah, which, that was, that, was a great, that was a great issue. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think of those those great standalone issues like that, as opposed to, you know, like, you know, the last, the last issue of a great epic series but i don't know that's just me you know what i bought chris on your recommendation Hmm. daredevil 500 wow didn't read it yet you you, you were talking you were talking about it a couple of episodes ago and i said you know what chris kind of liked it so i'll see what's going on keeping up with daredevil beyond that 500 or 501 i bought 500 501 and i bought Something uh, the, list. the list, yeah. I didn't, um, uh, I didn't read five hundred one. You know who else liked five hundred, Vince? Because uh, Jason liked it too. I remember, but no, um, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Derek Howard. Please, yeah. Go I'm taking it back. I've heard. I've heard the list was kind of a turd. I have not read. You mean it, the Daredevil so. issue? It's yeah, pretty. The Daredevil the list. I've heard it was just kind of me, but I did get five hundred one, and damn it, I was. Really looking forward to taking a book <laughs> off my poll list, <laughs> and here's a perfect opportunity. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of done with with Matt Murdock being Matt Murdock for a while. You know, I I have enough depression in my life as is, but uh, I'll be damned if it wasn't really good. I mean, it's it's staying in that that same vein of you know the really really good Bendis stuff that. Um, kind of morphed into into Brubaker stuff that was pretty good, and uh, and Diggle seems to to have a good idea what's going on here. But yeah, it, enough to, enough to keep me coming back for at least a couple issues, and I do and like the Andy Diggle. As much as your input was very valuable to me in in picking that out, another reason why I bought it was because the book that I had dropped due to Warren Ellis's overall snarkiness and just doom and gloom, Thunderbolts. I'm really enjoying Thunderbolts, and Diggle's right in that, so I thought, mm-hmm. the guy's good. Mm-hmm. He is. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I like the Andy Diggle. <laughs>
Hey guys, this is Whitehead Customs. Uh, just want to let you know I just picked up uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. Uh, they should have just really called it Marvel Civil War. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys play video games. I'm sure a lot of people on the forums do and a lot of people that listen to your show do. Uh, it's it's worth a pickup. It's it's definitely very based in, in comics. Uh, it's the the story is completely different than the actual Civil War, but basically, about a quarter of the way through the story, you have to decide whose side you're on. You're either on Iron Man's side or you're on Cap's side. And uh, there's some awesome fight scenes between Iron Man and Cap. I played the first time I played it. I I played is um, against the Registration Act, um, and I thought that was I don't know, that was just my viewpoint, and that's the way I went at it. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I have to say Deadpool steals the whole game. He breaks the fourth wall several times. Uh, not bragging, but I went through the game in less than four hours without any cheats. But uh, listen to the end credits. He makes a, a pretty funny... Uh, spoiler alert! <laughs> I guess he he makes a an, an intro into the 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 extra scenes. Uh, I just didn't like his voice. I was hoping they'd use the same guy that uh, did the voice from uh, the Hulk versus uh, Wolverine, the Hulk versus Thor DVD. Uh, his voice kind of seemed a little bit off. The graphics were great. It also came with a little mini comic book that was you know it was pretty nice. Uh, the story was a little weak in points, and uh, as stories will be in comic in comic book video games. But uh, there's a lot of obscure characters that I would have much rather seen, like a Cyclops or a White Queen, a Nightcrawler. Uh, there was Songbird, A Bomb. Um, I didn't see the Red Hulk, but I'm pretty sure there will be a code to bring the Red Hulk out of it. Uh, the games the games a lot of fun. I used the thing. Yeah, the thing Deadpool, Wolverine, and I just interchanged the last character a few times, and it was it was an overall good play. Uh, I recommend it to anybody. Um, I don't recommend going through it as fast as I did because I skipped a lot of stuff, but I'm going to go back again and play it again tonight, the uh, play on Iron Man's side and see how it changes up. Um, as to my last call, I totally forgot about the, the Wolverine film, so Ben, sorry about that. Uh, I like to admit when I'm wrong, and I, I totally forgot about the Wolverine film, uh, much like a lot of comics fans would like to forget about it, I guess. But anyway, guys, uh, have a have a great show. Uh, look forward to downloading the new show tonight. Uh, peace, Excelsior. I will make a prediction for next year. Best single okay. issue. If this book does not win, there will be hell to pay. You're all going to groan. You're all going to with the leaky tire. The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror number 15. Oh if No, if this book does not win next year, there's something wrong. I never groan about Simpsons comics, man. They're good. The, did you, did the you, list of the creators cover? on this thing, Jeffrey Brown, CF from Power Masters, Ben Jones, Will Sweeney, John Vermilia, Sammy Harkham, Jordan Crane did the cover. The cover is unbelievable. Um, who else? Ted Mays in this thing. It, it's amazing. Um, ben Jones, it's an amazing issue. You will see nothing like this on the stands. Go out and get it. I'm not going to talk about it because you have to see this thing to believe it. Unbelievable. It's Kramer's career got... And it's out, and it's out now? Enough, 
Yes, it's Kramer's Ergot in an affordable form because all the artists, <laughs> mo- most of the artists in here appeared in Kramer's Ergot number seven. But okay. I won't talk about it. Can I talk Disney just for a second and then you can shut me up? Yeah. Just for a second? Because yeah. I've got to sell what it. What do you always tell Chris when he asks a question? Yeah, you don't have to ask. Yeah, and you know what? Last week I was listening to the episode as I was editing it. I wanted to go on and on and on and on about Val Staples and his what his coloring strategy means to me, and I truncated myself. And listening to it, I was like, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say this? I, I could have went into this, and I didn't. So I'm not going to kneecap myself anymore. You guys have to tell me when to shut up. How's that? And you will, because you love me. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse and Friends, number 296. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. The no. It. See, I'm sorry. The, the Wiggles are not in it, but this, and this is, the, this is the best way I can put it, this is a comic book. It's a comic book. It's two ninety nine, twenty five pages of story and art, very minimal ads. Now, the Uncle Scrooge is not 25 pages of story and art. It's 22 pages. So you get a little bit, little short changes on the Uncle Scrooge, but the Mickey Mouse... 25 pages. David, it's printed on newsprint. Wow. It, it feels like a comic book. You put it in your hands and you're like, oh my God, oh. there's something in my hands. It's on newsprint, real toothy newsprint too. So the colors oh, saturate. It's beautiful. The proportion for the art was obviously taken from the Italian albums the graphic album, so there's a l- more white space on the top and bottom than we're used to because when you scale it down, it's not the same proportion as an American comic book page. So, but it's not a detriment. No big whoop. You get a little bit of airiness on the, on the pages. Not a problem. Get this story. It's a sword and sorcery tale. Mickey is an apprentice under this wizard named Nereus or Nereus or Nereus. But before the master can use the power of this crystal called this uh, Diamagic Crystal to alleviate this drought that's plaguing their village, the guy gets called away on urgent business, and he leaves Mickey to guard this crystal. Okay, there's the setup, right? In walks Pegleg Pete. Ding, come on. Pegleg Pete, who, unknown to Mickey, has been sent by this evil dude called the Lord of Deception to steal the crystal. And he kind of manipulates Mickey into giving up the crystal. I won't say how, just read it. And Mickey goes on a quest to get the crystal back and finds himself in this great sorcerer's tournament where he has to fight a succession of wizards and win back the crystal. And who, wouldn't you know it, Pegleg Pete is involved in this tournament. He has a trio of teammates with him, while in the book they're known as the Black Phantoms. Can you guess who they are? David, you're going to know. A trio of bad guys in a Disney book. Oh, crap. I can't think of any of the dogs. They're always the, the bank robbers. The, Be- the, the Beagle the Boys. Guys, right? the, Be- the Beagle Boys. They're in yes. here. They have, yes. they have like robes and shit on, but they have the black little crook masks on. It's nuts, right? <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're in this tournament in this city that's comprised almost entirely of magic users because they're all there to participate in the tournament. And Mickey says, okay, I'm in. I got to win my crystal back. Let me in the tournament. And the organizers say, well, I'm sorry, you don't have a team. You have to enter this tournament in a team. Mickey's all pissed off, leaves. Who does he run into? He runs into an uppity duck with a dragon familiar <laughs> named Fafnir. And he runs into this big old dopey dog who's looking for a magic herb. And they decide to join forces and enter the, the contest. 
the only problem I have with this, and it's not a problem, it's just a head scratching. Why they do that is this is a 10 part story. This will go on for 10 issues. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I don't know if kids are going to buy into 10 issues just to get a complete story. Tough sell. <laughs> Well, a, kids it, might not, but their parents probably could have one. I have to get, the Scrooge McDuck, man. Right, but those were individual chapters of a larger story. This is mm-hmm. there's continuity here. It ends with Mickey entering the tournament. I mean, oh, they got to learn sometime. Yeah, it, it. But the the art is gorgeous. It's very far removed from Floyd Gottfriedson, but it's not trying to be classic Mickey art. It's contemporary. There, it's more in the '60s and '70s vein. Kind of like if William Van Horn drew it. There's a, a very familiar name to Disney books. It's syrupy sweet, uh, candy for the eyes. It's beautiful. If you like funny animals, and Jesus, who doesn't? <laughs> you must pick this up. It is a fantastic. I hoped against hope that these books would be good. I didn't like what I saw initially, but oh man, did they win me over with these. And the Scrooge, again, a little bit weird strategy on the part of Boom. There's two stories in the Scrooge, number 384. The first one is a 16-part story where Scrooge buys a castle in Germany only because of a legend that there's a hidden treasure buried somewhere on the grounds, and obviously Scrooge wants the, the treasure. So he takes Donald and the nephews over to Germany. He's followed by Magic of Dispel. Ding. Okay, classic, <laughs> classic Scrooge villain. And the story ends after 16 pages, but there's a, a story immediately following it that picks up right after the Germany adventure, and it's continued next issue. So the stories are in continuity. You do get 22 pages of a continuing story, but it's in two separate chapters or stories. So that's kind of odd for for a kid's title where they would do um, the traditional American, yeah, you got to buy the next issue if you want to find out what happens. I just found it odd. Great issues. Go boom. The, the art on... Um, big. The art on the Scrooge is a woman. Wanda Gattino, an Italian, yay, and the art for the Mickey was by Lorenzo Pastrovicio, Roberto Santillo, and Marco Giglione. More Italians. Go Italy. It's amazing stuff. Amazing, amazing stuff. I get more enjoyment out of the funny animal books than I do out of almost anything. Because when I think of American iconic characters, I think of Italian artists. Well, they're carrying the torch. Yeah. For the longest time, the Disney books were stagnant in the States. They, yeah. never, they never dropped in popularity in the European countries. If we didn't have Barks and Rosa, name another popular... <laughs> yeah. you, you can't, you know? Yeah. I can because I read the stuff, but right. the average comic book fan, maybe William Van Horn, but after that, it's like, huh? They're keeping this beautiful tradition alive, and Boom is doing it up right. Yay. God bless them. There's one person who appreciated that. <laughs> it's okay man you love it and that's it's 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 great to hear you get so excited about and it. it's it's cool because the color in the mickey is flat for the most part it's flat color on the on the toothy newsprint it's gorgeous it's it's just that's like awesome. i'm i'm 10 years old again I dave check them oh jesus i didn't say dave david you, you gotta look <laughs> at them <laughs> <laughs> So what else do we have? Come on, we got some time left. Let's fill this episode. Well, do we want to talk? Um, uh, we were talking about uh, the Harvey Awards, which are named after Harvey Kurtzman, which uh, made me think of Ten Cent Plague. Do we want to talk about that oh. tonight, or we want to push it to next week? No, let's talk about it. Because you know what? I've had this mm-hmm. book on my shelf for the longest time, 
Wow. I've never, okay. I've never pushed myself to read it. Okay, so you have not read it yet. No. Well, first of all, thank you to uh, to Wood because he gave it to me for Christmas last year, and it's been staring at me. And I finally decided that when I'm going to talk about comics, I I probably need to know a little bit more about comics history. And so I, uh, over the last uh, uh, week and a half or so, read Ten Cent Plague, and it is a, a really in depth look at not just the um, the controversies of the of the early 1950s and you know everything that you know that most of us already know about like the Wortham what we call the Wortham trials which weren't actually trials they were uh, senate hearings and uh you know the basically the formation of the of the comics code authority and and all that kind of stuff it covers all of that but really almost like the first half of the book is a history of comics in America from uh, New Fun and Famous Funnies and uh, Max Gaines uh, and the, and really creating the, the first comic book. Uh, it even you know starts back before that with uh, uh, what Yellow Kid um, mm-hmm. and 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 then the the comic strips of the of the turn of the century. What I th- found was very interesting is that you know what happened in the 1950s was and the backlash against comics was not the first time that there had been like organized protest about comics i mean pretty much as soon as comic strips started being read in like 1900 there were people that were crying out about how they were um, adversely affecting youth and um, how they were you know a bad influence and and lowbrow and and comics have been um, kind of persecuted since since their inception and it uh, picked up a lot of steam in the early part of the of the uh, of the century but then world war one kind of diffused it because people had other things to worry about, and then the same thing happened in uh, in the late '30s. That uh, as comics with the the superhero boom, with like action comics and detective comics, and and all the other crime stuff that was out there, there were more and more people that were talking out about comics and and their their terrible influence on on kids. And then World War II happened, and all the comics became not all the comics, but a lot of the comics became very patriotic, and you know it's you know, the, weren't going to talk about these these horribly patriotic comics. So, um, comics actually got saved twice by um, by the World Wars, and then it was post World War America uh, in the 1950s where um, things got really nasty, and uh, and that's where the book kind of um, continues to go and, and talk about you know the, the Wortham sedu- seduction of the innocent and everything that um, the EC was doing with their comics. But no, very 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 informative and and a very cool book. It's a little dry in, in segments, but uh, but for the most part is is really uh, entertaining. I I enjoyed uh, more of the. Uh, the history of the actual publishers and the the creators than I did more of the legal stuff that was going on um, or you know the background on Frederick Wortham it was you know hearing about the different studios and that kind of stuff that I thought was was really cool very fun the Legend. parents Legend got, whipped, got whipped up into a frenzy at that point I mean they were all lathered up they blamed yeah. comics for everything I think something that was uh, kind of shocking to me is that 
1947. We're talking two years after the end of World War II. There were burnings of comic books in this country. They were burning books in this country in 1947. This is like four years after after Hitler had been burning books in mm-hmm. Berlin, and it, it's like wow, it they these people lost their fucking minds that quickly after mm-hmm. that war. And well, they, they was, burned Beatles albums too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and there were mock trials, right? I mean, there were is it. There was a part mm-hmm. in there that talks about how you know all over America, mock trial groups in high schools and stuff were doing like trials of superheroes and comics and everything. It was yeah, it was very widespread. It was much more pervasive than I think people realize. Yeah, it was it was absolutely nuts. But I think one of the things that the book taught me is that I painted with a very wide brush on the other side of it of you know all the people that were persecuting comics and the you know blah 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 and horrible horrible people. The comic book publishers brought a lot of it on themselves, and I'm not I'm not sticking up you know for either side but you know they got into a pattern that um it was one-upsmanship to sell comics which i totally understand but you know one month if someone had you know if they were strangling someone on a cover well the next uh the next month another publisher would have someone cutting someone's throat and then the next month Mm -hmm. the other publisher would have a decapitated head and then the next month it would be someone playing you know uh, be using a head as a you know as a bowling ball so i mean they got progressively crazier with the comics and and it did get out of hand and they got to a point of self-regulating too late in the game and it was i mean it was wild wild west they were out there to make money and they all copycatted each other and they they pushed it to an extreme point that they brought a lot of it on themselves if they had self-regulated earlier it it probably wouldn't have gotten to that point but then again you know i'm kind of glad they didn't because they were really you know just unfettered creativity mm-hmm. that that led to some pretty awesome stuff but yeah it was a really a really uh, a really good book that kind of kind of boils down not just what was going on with the with the comic book publishers and and some of the creators but you know just the just the tenor of, of what was going on with the country in um you know post world war ii mm-hmm. america and just kind of the the perfect uh you know the the perfect storm or the you know the powder keg that uh the comics became and i mean they were they were selling i mean there's a point that i never really understood why they called it the golden age of comics until i heard you know started hearing things like um sales of 70 million comics a month i mean oh yeah yeah exactly i mean, th- yeah. I mean think about think about that for a second 70 million comic books a month were sold in this country and a lot of people that were kind of in the know about it also said that of the 70 million that were sold most of those comics weren't owned by one person they were traded around um aggressively so i mean there were you could say that easily a hundred million comics a month were being read in this country. It's a perfect storm type situation mm-hmm. where you didn't, TV wasn't as prevalent by mm-hmm. far. 
you didn't have video games to distract the children. Comic books and radio were pretty much the only sources of entertainment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they sold more, but they didn't have the diversions, the kids anyway, didn't have the diversions that they have now where they can go out and spend money on so many things. Sure. There was pretty much one or two attractions back then. So, mm-hmm. and, and the thing that, that surprises me, people like to say, oh, comic books, the, the sex in comic books today is so prevalent. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a tradition picked up from the pulps and the comic book publishers ran with right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. notably, the iconic cover of the Blonde Phantom with the Beautiful breasts with the big old guns, and I mean, those comic book covers back then were sexy as hell. And oh, yeah. yeah, I, I can that, understand. Uh, Phantom, Phantom Lady, Phantom, yeah, blonde Phantom. That Phantom was Lady. um, God, who drew that? Um, uh, the guy who did um, uh, it rhymes with lust, which they talk about a right. lot. I should know, and I'm stupid. Uh, Baker. Um, Matt Baker. She's got the cleavage and the camel toe, and she's just standing there in that (laughs) sexy ass. If I was a kid, I would grow hair in the nether regions just looking at the damn thing. (laughs) You know? So, and as a parent, if my boy brought that home, I'd have to take it and read it, and then I'd have to tell him, you know, this is not the way women are in the real world. This is a glamorization, <laughs> you know, but it's very sexy. And I, I think a lot of those covers back then, the stuff today pales in comparison to a lot of them. Oh, totally, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, one of our earliest shows, you got us all to uh, to buy that, that book of the p- classic men's pulp covers. Yep, by Tashin. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Um, Chris, I'm really glad you enjoyed the book. I, I, I agree. I think there... And anytime you get a book like this, it's a fairly, you know, where, where I think one of the central points is a, is a legal battle. I agree there are some components to it that are a bit dry. I mean, unless you, you're one of those people that really vibe off of re- reading about legal proceedings. But I think where he does a nice job and why I think the book has, has been so well received is, as you said, he, he probably recognized that from the start, just like he did with his, with his other mm-hmm. books that he's written. And, and so he, he peppers it with a lot of um, anecdotal things about the, the industry at the time, which make it, you know, far more, holistic you know view of comics at the time where obviously the Ooh. central lesson is still about the the uh the censorship but it's not the totality of it isn't you know stuck in sort of sort of legal debriefing so um mm-hmm. but it's funny because i mean i think about that and i was reading it and i remember being struck talk about theater of the absurd is that the, the part where bill gaines had to go and um explain to the senate um you know judicial committee um about mm-hmm. uh, about why it was okay to have a severed head in a book and how that was within the realms of good taste, <laughs> yeah. and I was just reading that and I'm thinking, man, you know, not a lot has changed in our in our country, right? Because it just it was very reminiscent to me of when you know the baseball players had to go before the Senate and testify, and I, I thought at the time, doesn't you know, given all the things going on in our country, doesn't doesn't our don't government they have, have better? Yeah, don't they yeah, have better more, things, more things to do, to do than, right? Spend yeah. a day, uh, you know, asking uh, athletes if they do steroids and then having them say no, and then us finding out later. You know, I'm like, and I just thought same thing back then, right? I mean, did, did didn't didn't the Senate have more important things to do coming coming uh, considering that the time period we're dealing with than, than asking Bill Gaines to explain why it was okay to have an illustrated severed head in a book? I mean, <laughs> I hey, think I go to the best, the best comic shop, basically, um, and two reasons. One, extremely understanding. Um, my daughter decided to take a snack. Oh, she's talking to me now. Anyway, what's that? What's that? What do you want to say? I'm What the best comic shop? Yeah. Yeah. Is it good? Is it?
really. What's good about the comic shops? Um, honey, yeah. Honey? Honey, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Out of the mouth of babes. Who do you see at the comic shop? Who's um, in the window? Batman. Who? Batman. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Does he tell you off? He does. Why does he tell you off? Um, because he doesn't like me. Really? Yeah. Batman doesn't like you. Why not? <laughs> because he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk to you? Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Yeah, anyway. So, my daughter, who you've just heard from, debut, uh, decided to eat a snack bar that I gave her in the comic shop, and uh, she looked at it and thought, oh, it looks like a crayon, and decided to draw all over all of the glass display cabinets containing all the Marvel busts. Um, it's art at the end of the day, isn't it? Really. Um, very understanding comic shop owner. I, I of course, apologised and offered to clean it. And Dan said, hey, no, no worries. And cleaned it himself, which is all very kind and understanding. So thanks, Dan. So a place in space. You're, you're, you're very kind and understanding. And thanks to your Womba discount, I now own an Uncanny X-Men omnibus um, that you could probably kill a man with because it's that big. Anyway. Place in space, we love you. Bye-bye. So I think we, as comic book fans, kind of, we almost have like a gaydar, like a comic radar, where we think we may have found another kindred spirit, but we're not too sure. Um, I know that in my line of work, uh, where I'm showing people houses, um, usually you can pick that up by, you know, if like the guy is looking for a property with that wants a big storage space of some kind, you know, like has the lofting converted, uh, is there a good sized garage, and it's kind of, okay, he's probably got a pastime, he's got stuff to stash, and I'll always say, so who's got the most stuff to bring, you know, with them, who's got like collections of things, and usually, you know, the, the woman will say, oh, I have so many shoes, not that I show Americans around, all gay people um, who are American, I could do. I'm not trying to cut off the money. I'm sorry. Um, and then the guy will usually say either, oh, I have a few, you know, a huge vinyl collection or whatever. And every now and again, comics come up, which is cool. But um, recently, I've had uh, a couple of people that have kind of given off the I'm a comic fan vibe. And I, I as much as I would like to think I'm not a stereotypical public's perception of what a comic book fan is, um, I... I have to say I kind of use those stereotypes to kind of try and guess whether someone is into comic books. So, and it's terrible, you know. Does the person I'm talking to look like a virgin? Do they smell bad? Do, um, you know, is there questionable personal hygiene? Would I be uncomfortable standing in a lift with them? Probably. Um, do, you, do they have problems maintaining eye contact? That kind of thing. And, and that's, that's wrong, you know. That's wrong. Not everybody, not all comic fans are like that. And I shouldn't be using those um, stereotypes to track down fellow people of the same persuasion, which is terrible. But recently, um, I was was in a flat with a, uh, with a couple, and the guy just really wanted to know where the phone line was. Where's the phone line? Need to know where the phone line is. Where is the internet connection? Need to know where the phone line is. And it, the house belonged to, to an elderly lady, so I just said, look, you know, phone line's in there. Um, does, does she have broadband? She's 84, dude. She's 84. She doesn't, she doesn't strike me as, a, um, as, a, as a, a web surfer of any kind. And he snapped around and said, or a silver surfer. And immediately it was, huh. even though I thought he was kind of a prick, um, I immediately went, oh, 
So I was there, sir. Cool. Are you into comics? And he and he immediately withdrew into his tortoise-like shell and said, "No." Oh, fine. Complete disappointment. But uh, you know, we we're trying to to track down like-minded people. So what I want to do is either invent a handshake, like the Masons, or some kind of signal that isn't a um, enormous black T-shirt with um, um, you know like a huge Cobra character on. So I think I'm now going to just to spot. I'm going to use your your Regina. I'm going to adopt the Regina, and um, just to find fellow comic book fans or fellow podcast fans, I'm just going to drop that in there and in conversation. And this is the lounge. This is the living room. Obviously, this is where you would eat Regina. And you know, and if if they respond, then hey, we've got a comic book fan, and we can talk comfortably to one another. It's so sad. I'm sorry. I promised I wouldn't do any more of these rambling ones, and I'm rambling. You can tell it's Saturday, and I've had a long day. I hope the show's going well. Love you guys, and everything that you do stand for and uh, hold dear. Uh, bye-bye. You know, can you but- imagine being Bill Gaines back then? Once he got wind of the stipulations he had to adhere to to publish his comics, well, you, you can't use terror... You can't use horror in the title. You can't well, have zombies. It, like, it, why don't you just ban the, the two letters E and C from comics? Well, you know, here, here's, the, here's the, 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 the rub about that, and, and it's explained in the book, is that you know all this stuff is coming down, and Bill Gaines understood what was getting ready to happen, and so he is the one that drafted the letters and sent out the invitations to all of the other comic book publishers and printers and engravers to get them to sit down together and figure out what they were going to do and how they were going to self-patrol. Yeah. And and so he, he basically started the, the Comics Code Authority started because of him and in like their what like their sixth or seventh meeting whenever they started putting together what they were going to the guidelines basically all the other publishers ganged up on him and used used the comics code authority as a way to to destroy EC and 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 force that company out of the market because they were I mean that was that was the number one number one publisher weren't they mm-hmm. if they if they weren't number oh, one yeah. they were you know they were darn close to it and so yeah the the other publishers were like hey we can we can clean up our books you know our books aren't called Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt and Crime Suspense Stories. These are the ones that, uh, you know, and Bill Gaines did a nice job, you know, all on his own of becoming public enemy number one because he was the only one that had the balls to, to be a part of the Senate hearings. So, yeah, they used it as an opportunity to destroy that company. Yep. And it's kind of ironic when you think about it when we talk about how, you know, comics is stuck in this in this uh, vicious cycle now where we're so reliant on, on the superhero genre to keep the industry alive. It's just, it's ironic when you think about it, right, that in many cases the superhero genre exists in its form today and has importance because of of the fact that the, basically, you know, the uh, the other genres that were selling much better were were made effectively illegal. <laughs> so so they yeah. had to turn to something and they went to romance comics and, and war stories and then superheroes and, you know, so. Well, I mean, that's the crazy thing about it is that no one was arrested. Well, I guess there were some some mild arrests that were that were made in regards to to 
selling comics, but um, you know, in the larger scheme of things, you know, nobody went to trial, no law was passed, no law was ever drafted. Mm-hmm. It's it it was all on hysteria and fear and basically strong arming the printers, wholesalers, distributors, and retailers that that they that they couldn't sell this stuff or they were gonna get arrested or people yeah. boycott their newsstands and, and all this all this crap. So it, it was it's it's amazing just to think that all of this happened without any sort of legal action or uh, any laws being made? I guess there were, you know, a lot of mandates by by cities and states on, you know, the 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 selling of of uh, inappropriate material and all that. But you know, just just nuts what what happened and and the, the fear mongering that that went on and it it really it really took what comics going to the direct market and and not having to have the uh, the CCA seal to to be sold anymore that kind of i guess i guess opened up the door to to telling more adult stories you know once you know you had underground comics which i thought was an interesting way the epilogue is uh with uh with robert crumb talking about Mm -hmm. how he loved uh ec comics and and became aware of them kind of at the end and so that just lit this desire with him to to go back and, and find as many as he could and you know I think underground comics were uh, a, a, a direct descendant of, of EC from how he talked about it which was very cool yeah I'm, it, it's it's a book I definitely recommend to anybody that's a fan of comics history um, it, it was really well done and uh, it's a pretty quick read once you get into it uh, it's not yeah, I think it's probably like 400 pages or so so and an awesome uh, Charles Burns cover. There you go, Mr. Black Hole. Yeah, that's about, that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 415 pages. It's uh, uh, The Ten Cent Plague by David Haj- what, Hadu. H-A- H-A- yeah, yeah it's, it, I mean, I say Haju, but I don't know if that's correct. Haju. Yeah, it's uh, The Ten Cent Plague, the great comic book scare and how it changed America. And it is put out by, who is the publisher? FSG Books. Hmm. So. There. What was the first mainstream comic to buck the comics code? Was it uh, Swamp Thing? Um, there was on an uh, ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. On an ongoing basis, I don't know, but the first one I can remember that that bucked the comics code, kind of told them to, amazing, to right? go f themselves. No. Was uh, well, yeah, it was the amazing. No, it was Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Amazing Spider-Man was about oh, a year. right. Oh, uh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Speaking yeah, of Swamp Thing. You know what I found? I found two issues of Challengers of the Unknown, drawn by Keith Giffen, with Swamp Thing in it. Nice. It's like, where did these come from? <laughs> I don't even remember buying the damn things. And that's like pre-Saga of the Swamp Thing. That's tail end of of uh, the Wrightson Swamp mm-hmm. Thing. So Thanks, volume yeah, two. I, I, I think it's going to come an out. Ongoing, you're right, though, Vince. I think as an ongoing monthly, or bi- was it bi-monthly? But yeah, I, I believe Swamp Thing. Saga of the Swamp Thing was the uh, was the first non non code approved book that was out on a regular basis. Yay! Hmm. Wow, it took that long, huh? That's that's nuts. That's, um, how is is it is it Wenween and Wrightson that that started off Swamp Thing? Yeah. Uh, how, how is it? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read it. I'm asking oh. a serious question, Mister Mickey Mouse. Oh, it's 
well, it's it's as good as Mickey Mouse. It's okay. you have it's <laughs> great stuff. Okay. Yeah, right. definitely right. a product of its time. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoy the claustrophobic type horror, the mm-hmm. the Italian type Dario Argento, very shadowy. Oh my God, what is that in the in the corner type horror? Swamp Thing is fantastic. It, okay. it, it's not what you would think it is. I think this, they have a nice hardcover out of the. That's yeah. what, the first 18 issues or so? I have it right here. DC Comics Classic Library, Roots mm-hmm. of the Swamp Thing. It contains... DC Comics reprints the inspirational eight-page story Swamp Thing from the House of Secrets and the first 13 issues of the original Swamp Thing title. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of creatures of the week in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your werewolf and the patchwork man, and but it, it's more, I don't want to say psychological horror, but yeah, a lot of it is. It's no Alan Moore, but it's... it's uh, And it's rights and artwork, which is... Oh, yeah. Just amazing artwork. <laughs> Good stuff. And it was only, uh, oh, it was 40 bucks. Oh, was it really? Yeah, $40. Spot varnish on the cover, though. Come on. Yeah, I know that. Did any of you read Astonishing X-Men number 31? No, is that the first uh, Jimenez co- uh, issue? Yeah. Not yeah. Yet. Okay. I won't go into specifics, but Warren Ellis did not wow me with this issue. And I know oh. I know it's not his goal to wow Vince B. with a, an issue of X-Men. <laughs> but it was just like the first 20 pages are a rescue mission. And at the end, it's just like, oh, look at this. Something totally removed from the first 20 pages. Left field. Sounds like more happened this beginning of this arc than did in the first six issues of his uh, run. Oh, really? It hasn't Because I jumped onto this because of Jimenez and the did Brood. really? Yeah, well, wow. the Brood is in it. Come on, the Brood? That's that's a couple notches below cable in my erectometer. Well, you're going to get them both. Well, I, I know. Uh, you have them both, but yep. yeah. The Brood's <laughs> in cable? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 11 o'clockers, it's Colors in California, T Gibbs on the forums. I really need to post that more. But I just wanted to say, I just finished all of the backlog. I'm going to start calling a lot. Love you. Bye. Hey, it's Tully again. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys about something that happened to me a little bit while ago that was interesting and gives me hope for this dying industry. I'd like to start a little segment called Moments of Hope in a Dying Industry, and I'm trademarking it, and I'm going to give it to you guys. It's yours. Anybody can use it. I don't want any royalty fees like that one guy. But anyways, I was staying with my girlfriend for a week, and I had given her a couple of comics to read, including Scott Pilgrim. So I go over to her house to stay there. She lives two hours away from me, and I see her sister reading Scott Pilgrim, and I'm like, oh, so you read Scott Pilgrim 1? And she goes, no, and I'm like, well, then why are you reading 2? And it turns out they left Scott Pilgrim back in Santa Cruz, where I live. And I'm like, are you you getting this? And I'm just like, it's this amazing moment because she doesn't care and she's not all caught up in the continuity that we, a a lot of comics fans, get caught in. I would never read number two without reading number one and so so on and so forth. I thought that was cool. And then the next time I was up there, I ended up getting her a book called Corgi. It's really, really cute. Kind of reminds me of Bone. Oh, it's uh, wordless. I forget who it's by, but she ended up liking it. Kind of hard to buy a book for a nine-year-old. Well, I'll catch you guys later. Bye. Tully again. So I just got The Nobody by Jeff Lemire uh, on your guys' recommendation. 
what I decided to do is I'm going to talk about the book out of each chapter. It's divided into chapters by very funny little, like, mock covers. Cool. So I just read the first one. Uh, I like it a lot. This is my second thing I've read from Jeff Lumi. I've read the first issue of Sweet Tooth, so I still need to read Essex County, but I'll get to that. So uh, it's interesting. We find out a little bit about the Invisible Man. We see that he is so-called invisible. Uh, we're not, so we take the townspeople's beliefs out of head. Everyone's starting to get paranoid. And the owner of the local diner's daughter starting to hang out with the Invisible Man. So far, I'm liking it, but we'll see where it goes from here. I like the cover a lot. It's interesting. It's like the cover is longer than the pages, which I really like, and the paper is really nice. It kind of reminds me of the paper for My Kill Giant, except not as glossy, and it's like a bit thicker, and it doesn't like bent. So, yeah, I'll call you back when I read part two. Bye. Okay, I think we should end it. We're getting all slappy and yeah, giddy. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Spectacular discounts on your favorite comics and collectibles delivered right to your door by a uniformed custodian of the United Parcel Service. They are the best in the business. If you don't have a good comic shop in your area that offers you some kind of discount, check out dcbservice.com. They are a wonderful alternative. Capital W. And while you're tooting around, read the Boom Disney books. Read them. Because I'm not lying when I say they're great. Mickey Mouse and Friends, 296. Uncle Scrooge, 384. Fantastic. Wood, get them for your kids. They'll give you a hug. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stay on the Boom theme. And uh, so you should uh, read The Anchor by uh, Hester and Trillo. Yes, I saw that. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, Pretty. Then, uh, I'll I'll throw a boom title out there too, and continue to read the unknown, Ooh. written by Mark Wade. So that's three booms. Do we have to go back to the room? Yeah. Uh, I will uh, stick with boom. And for you people who do have young kids and don't feel like reading about Uncle Scrooge, give the uh, the Incredibles a try because uh, I uh, gave the first issue a read with my boys uh, actually tonight before we recorded, and they were giddy for the next issue and didn't understand why I didn't have the next issue ready for them. So now, why would someone not feel like reading Uncle Scrooge? I have no idea, but uh, that's not. I needed some, kind of, I needed some kind of segue. Some kind <laughs> of segue. Just to give credit where it's due, because I don't want to butcher the man's name. I believe he's Dutch, but the artist on the unknown, I think, is uh, Ming Osterveer. Ming Osterveer. Yeah, <laughs> so they, uh, you were going to say, Vince. Oh, was I going to say? Oh, and, and like uh, Carl Bark's work, where you had uh, these exotic locales and historical figures and just trying to give the kids a little bit of edutainment in addition to their good comics, both of these uh, issues have that. So, yay. And Gyro Gearloose is in the Uncle Scrooge. Oh, nice. Oh, get out. Yes. All right, now you're talking my language. The heat, Gyro. Nice. Oh, uh, one thing. Uh, one thing. Got to talk it up. Got to give some love. Vince, you, am I going to see you on uh, November uh, 14th? That's the wild pig thing? Yes, sir. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, nice. yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more positive that I'll make it out to this one than I have been for any of them. So nice, yeah, nice. It's a month from today, folks. Sixty thousand back issues, two thousand trades. 
it's ridiculous. Peter Rios sent me a private message because uh, over on, on their site, he was talking up Smallville and how he's watching them all again in a row. And I said, have you no better use to, for your time to watch Smallville? <laughs> and, and, and at the bottom of his PM, it said, Wild Pig. And that was it. <laughs> like, nice. I guess we're going to throw down at the Wild I Pig. Think because uh, your, uh, your office mate was talking up that he was going to try and bring his better half, and by better half, he meant you. So. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, and Vince, if you needed more incentive, aside from seeing me, uh, to go to Wild Pig, uh, it, but Chris, the, uh, the owner, also wanted to make mention that, uh, that they have an expanded collection of vintage comic magazines, including Bizarre Adventures, Epic Illustrated, Planet of the Apes, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, and Marvel Ooh. Super Specials. Wow. And you so. know what the sad part is? There was a time when you can pick those puppies up for next to nothing. Not anymore. Nope. Well, at Wild Piggy will be able to. I know. I have, I have, I have most Correct. of them. Yeah, oh, well. I have most of them. But I'll go anyway. Maybe there's that one elusive issue that I can, can't find. Yes. There we go. I do need the last two Planet of the Apes, though. Those are ridiculously expensive. There you go. To use a word in your vernacular. Ridiculous. And then David Price with the snarky little snicker in the background. He's got to do what he do. I know. That's my contribution, man. No. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You were quite vocal this episode, and I was loving it. Okay. And now he says nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I I I had something to think about. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. He's spent. So do me a favor, David. Read that astonishing accent for for next time. I just want to just in, even if you send me a PM and just say, <laughs> you know, because I don't know. This I want to know if it was me. It. Yeah, I want to know oh, if it and, was uh, me. Yeah, and karma to you, Vince, for talking me into buying the Shang Chi Master of Kung Fu one. Right, and you know what, karma to you since we're doing the reach around for dropping the wacky races reference because ah, you like that when i was reading it that never occurred to me and that's exactly what it is it's wacky <laughs> it's <right>. races yeah <laughs> because i read your post about the wacky races on forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com that's our forum please stop by uh and i said that bastard he did it that's what it is it's wacky races the only yeah. thing missing was motley <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to us it's been fun Join us next week. We love you. And treat your mama nice. Or your papa, depending. Or your papa, just because. Why not? Oh, yeah, Jason, my mom's the side. What's that about? She's a wonderful woman. She submits and she dominates. She gets out.